Hey guys, what's up? It's Lizzie Jane, and we are back with another podcast this week. Chris Lee joins me on the show. Chris is such an OG to the dubstep scene. He is such an important aspect of our community and where the scene is at today. I loved getting the opportunity to sit down and chat with him about what he's doing now, touring as a national artist, as well as giving back and building his electronic dance community by throwing his weekly nights and helping a multitude of up-and-coming artists. I loved this conversation so much. We cover so many different concepts from being an up-and-coming artist to reinventing yourself and finding your passion, please do not forget to check out my Patreon at www.patreon.com backslash this is Lizzie Jane for exclusive ad-free podcasts, previews, and much, much more. Without further ado, this is Lizzie Jane and you're tuning in to the XO Podcast. Thank you so much for coming on today. I greatly appreciate it. Of course. Thank you for having me. Yeah, it's um it's been a it's been a weird time. I'm just glad I could have an OG such as yourself to uh everyone listening. This is Christopher, also known as Crisley. So have you ever really seen anything like this happen in your time in this industry ever? Uh, definitely not. This is um the first time everything's just been like halted, you know, like people go through phases where they don't like, you know, have shows or do anything mm-hmm. and you know, take breaks. Um, which is awesome. But this is like an extended break that nobody was ever expecting. And um, yeah, yeah it's, it's it's crazy. It's a crazy thing to be experiencing. Um, but I'm definitely thankful for it. It's definitely changed my perspective on a lot of things. And, you know, staying, uh, stay looking on the bright side, mostly thanks to my friends and everybody. But yeah. absolutely. I feel like that's the only way when it comes down to how long this shit has lasted. That's the only way to go about it. And I feel like having that like support group there because I know you're your roommates with Aaron, right? Heritage. Yeah, yeah. And then is he your only roommate or do you have like other homies who live with you? I have one other roommate. He's actually from Florida. Um, oh, sick. Yeah, I, I met him a long time ago and he, he just wanted to like help out and he did my merch for a while. He like helped nice. me design a bunch of stuff. But um, he was just like, yeah, I want to get out of Florida or he was in um like kind of like West Palm Beach area. Okay. And he's just like, I just need to get out of here. And you know try to do something different and i was like yeah come to texas and you know he's he's been here for like four years now but fuck yeah that's cool i feel like texas and florida has been a bit similar compared to you know the rest of the united states in like the approach per se um where you know there's there were definitely like precautions taken but i just remember when everyone even in la they were like, okay, it's going to be two weeks. You guys have two weeks of being shut down, stay inside. Everyone was all right with it. And then the two weeks became two months and the two months became half a year. And now it's been a year and now everything's starting to open back up. And from like your point of view, you've seen people from everywhere on the West Coast start to move into Texas. So is this changed? (laughs) Like how have you seen kind of a change in the different type of people coming down? Like all of big tech, so many artists as well. Yeah, massive. Yeah, yeah, that's a it's a good thing to bring up. It's it I don't know if yeah, anybody else notices it, but everybody in Texas definitely notices it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's a huge change. Yeah, there's um yeah, all these tech companies moving out here, a bunch of different people from Cali, all of my, a lot of my friends from Cali moving out here, industry people too as well. Um Austin's always been like a good hub for music. Um so there there is a few really key people that moved from LA to here, which is awesome. And that's, that's honestly what got me like 
that's what got me excited through the whole thing was knowing that there's just like this big movement happening here. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I, I just got excited, like thinking about preparing for it. Cause like once things open up, it's like game on. And that, that's really what got me excited about it. Absolutely. Have you guys kind of gotten to that moment where you're like, okay, it's fucking game on. Cause you passed Ubi Doobie. And now that Ubi Doobie has been thrown, you just got announced on Freaky Deaky. Congrats. I'm sure you're fucking stoked. Thank like you. hometown festival. Um, have you, I've seen like shows starting to be thrown like Grime Fest and, and other kind of promoter companies have started to put things together in Texas. But I've heard in Texas, even though you guys kind of allow 100% capacity now, people are still wearing their masks and still being, you know, precautious and all of that stuff. Is that true or like not really? No one gives a fuck. Uh, yeah, it's 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 true. They're, in the beginning, it was more so. But now it's um kind of they're like kind of like, you know, being not as strict. There were some mm-hmm. venues that we would go to and they'd be super strict. They'd kick you out um, for not wearing a mask. But right now it's like kind of just up in the air. I think even in Austin or in all of Texas, it's basically like uh, it's basically open. Um, and you, w- I mean, we have to wear a mask in stores and everything, but it shows it's just like, I don't know, it's kind of like. Like, yeah, it's the same thing here. It's like when you when you played at Ritz, it was like mm-hmm. the, the first time because they were kicking people out for quite some time. We've obviously been open since last fall when everything was kind of like hey you guys do you but they just passed like a a bill that's coming into play where they're not allowing on a local level anyone to enforce the masks anymore which was a huge step that happened yesterday so I'm curious to see moving forward how places like Ritz and how venues are going to handle it because you can't really I guess it's private property so they can only choose Uh, If they want, you know, somebody to be wearing a mask or not wearing a mask. But I feel like it's to each their own at this point. But the vaccine was definitely like our saving grace for sure. Definitely. Things are opening up. It's crazy. And yeah, LBW, I guess that was a giant experiment. Mm -hmm. Um, I ended up not going. I just got kind of nervous. I I knew it was going to be like, not not a shit show, but uh, (laughs) it was going to be like, I don't know. I, I I, I get anxiety in crowds in the first place. And I'm the same way. Yeah. yeah. It's, <laughs> and I'm just used to being like, you know, like driven from the hotel to the venue and have everything taken care of. Um, but, you know, I wasn't on the lineup, so I didn't want to like ask for like everything and, and kind of bug Donnie and bug everybody. So I didn't end up making it. But um, all my friends that went said it was amazing and they had a good time. So I'm thankful that everything went. I'm just thankful, yeah, that it wasn't a huge fucking disaster because I feel like if it was a disaster, we would be in a much different place right now with everything being announced. And he he fucking pulled it off. I mean, I'm I'm all for the outspoken individual, but you know, if your actions speak like louder than words, he did it. And like it really does come to each their own. Like it was an outside event and you know, the the videos are massive. The videos look like it's pre-COVID, but what can you expect to do like what can you expect it to look like when you know the UCF is having or UFC is having the inside fucking event with 15,000 people and then you've got the draft happening in Cleveland Ohio and it's the same amount of people outside you know you can't I don't know it's it's very interesting how just the general consumer and fan of music has kind of pinpointed in this scene and we we see that thanks to the lovely Twitter the lovely bird app, um, you know, how people have opinions and stuff. And I just feel like it comes down to the fact of, you know, if, if you have a vaccine, that's great. 
If you don't have a vaccine, you should probably try and fucking get one. And then it's like, hey, if you don't feel safe, stay home see how it plays out. And then if you do go like that was your option, that was your action that you took on yourself. So you can't get mad at anybody else, you know, for the ramifications. Yeah. I think for all those reasons, that's why it ended up happening. And it went mm -hmm. smoothly because people have, you know, their own option to go or not go and everything's, you know, starting to open up. It, it's happening slowly and at a good pace, I feel like personally. But um, yeah, I, I think shouts out to Disco Donnie basically for being, you know, the, the person to take take the the hits for this one but um i think he did a great job and he's honestly someone that i've always looked up to honestly more than uh like most djs i remember yeah. the first time i met donnie i was probably what 19 or 20 going to my one of my first festivals actually no it's like second or third there's always been camping festivals in texas um it's a really good rave scene here in austin um but i i met him you know backstage hanging out with like paris hilton and oh my I, God. <laughs> I, I, I gave no fucks for Paris Hilton. I was just like, Disco Donnie, like you're my Right? Yeah. He's a pioneer. Yeah. And he, I, I was a promoter when I first started. I, I, I look up to him because he makes sure that the vibes are right at all his parties. And he cares mostly about that. Like, or, you know, him and Pasquale, you know, uh, combined compare or, or care about, you know, making sure the party is on point. And mm -hmm. as a DJ, you know, I, I, I try to DJ for a crowd and make sure everybody else is happy. That's really my main goal. And, and that kind of puts me in the weird category of like DJ slash promoter. And that's why I always looked up to Donnie. I was like, he's throwing the best shows, making sure the crowds are always lit. Um, best times, best lineups. And yeah. So as soon as I met him for the first time, I was like meeting my idol. That's fucking mm -hmm. awesome. Cause it, it's cool. Cause you do have a different, a kind of rare approach to, you know, being the DJ on the stage because you have been in the promoter's position. So you know what an event is supposed to be like, how you're supposed to push tickets, how you're supposed to make people happy. So I'm sure that that has, you know, helped you over the years bring the right set and like reading the crowd and all of that stuff. Are you someone that I guess per se, you'll get up there and you'll feel the vibe and you'll go from there? Or you're like, hey, like this is my set. I'm sticking to it. X, Y, and Z. Yeah, I've gone, I've, I've been going back and forth. Um, I think in the beginning, I was uh, on the on the side of like, let me feel the crowd or like kind of like gauge it because I actually started, yeah, with a residency in San Antonio. And uh, nice. I, that's why I always thought it was awesome that like you and, and Mikey had like that residency. Yeah, absolutely. It, that's I think I think that's such a a powerful thing to have under your belt to just like take on any type of crowd. And that's what I had in the beginning. And I kind of lost that for a few years because I was doing the Crisley dubstep act, you know, for so long. And, yeah. you know, everybody just kept trying to go harder and harder and harder. And I was keeping up for a really long time, like uh, always having like a really uh, hard set. Um, but I think, I think I became a touring act at some point. And then I, and then I, I, I had to take a step back and be, and realize what I was actually good at and what I should be doing. And I had to like, you know, kind of recalibrate things, but you know, you, I think you can shift back and forth, you know, and there's situations where I like, I'm always going like, this is my set, you know, like I have an hour to really like, you know, prove a point. So this is what I'm going to play. But then there's other times where you pull up to a party and you just want to like, you know, see what everybody's feeling and, you know, kind of cater to what the vibes are and not really just like come out swinging, like, you know. Yeah, scared, absolutely. Scared away. I, I think, I think sometimes when you go th this is why i wouldn't go hard on some occasions you could you could potentially scare people who have never heard the music before and they're gonna be you know they're not gonna be as likely to fall in love with 
dance music because you know they just weren't used to it they weren't ready and that's kind of my goal is to is to get people into the scene and get people to like enjoy the music and feel comfortable with it because that at the end of the day like yeah I'm, i'm trying to like build a community honestly and 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 get people into dance music and yeah that's always been my my top goal absolutely and i feel like there's it's just so heavy nowadays. The music gets so heavy. And like, sometimes you just walk up to sets. I remember like I would be at festivals, especially when I was just a consumer, just a lover of music. And I'd walk up to certain places and I love good dubstep. And I'd be like, damn, dude. I was like, I'm not angry enough for this shit. Like, I, I want to have yeah. fun. Like, I want to do X, Y, and Z. And especially because you look at like the average festival goer and you'll have one diehard fan of maybe this artist, maybe this genre. But then you've got five or six other people who, hey, it's my first fucking festival. I want to go and hear some songs I know. I want to hear some cool switch ups and all of that stuff. And I feel like being a resident is something that has taught me and I'm sure you in your beginning days, like how to do that correctly and and how to experiment with that and like fail epically and also be like, hey, like I know how to play this mainstream song make an edit in Ableton, bring in an unreleased ID. And then in the span of two minutes, you got someone, you know, introduced to this genre. And like, I just feel like that doesn't exist as much anymore. Yeah. Um, you, you being a resident really is a flex on that. Um, and, and obviously talking to you, you understand that there's like a huge dynamic to that. You're getting people like the free parties that you do mm-hmm. for those residencies are where you, where you really build the community and you're trying to like, get people out who don't normally come out. Um, and that's why I've always thrown my free parties. Uh, I think even at the Ritz, it was a free party. Um, yep. that's, that's something that I like, I like to like put on promoters. I'm like, Hey, I'll, I'll do it for this rate. Um, but make the party free, please. Cause like, I just want people to have a good time. And, um, yeah, I think, yeah, it's, it's really cool to talk to someone that honestly gets residencies because, um, a lot yeah. of people don't get it. And and it's it's very weird um, coming as a new artist where you obviously have been in the scene for a very long time, very seasoned, because I feel like when I first started crossing that line of, hey, like I made music before I learned how to DJ. Like I did not know how to DJ. My second gig ever was at the Ritz. They had me on Saturdays playing house music. I fucking hated it. And but it like taught me how to read a room. It taught me how to DJ. It taught me how to know all of these different subgenres. But when I was like, okay, I'm ready to start, you know, I had some strong releases, started bridging that gap. I felt like there was like an illegitimacy because I was a resident and because you weren't like an artist. And like, maybe that's a form of like self-consciousness or insecurity, but did you ever go through that when you were bridging the gap? I know it was a lot different time yeah. though too. No, I could, I, I, I understand completely where your head's coming from. I see a lot of other younger producers going through that, that challenge in their head of like, no, I want to make the transition to artists, you know, and not mm-hmm. just a DJ, but um, they're, they're two different things and they go hand in hand and you can be good at both. There's not like, you don't have to sacrifice one for the other, you know, it's, being being a good DJ and reading a crowd is a skill set all on its own that a lot of people don't develop. And you you said it earlier. You said like there's a lot of failure involved with you know <laughs> oh, with yeah. trying trying new things out, and that's exactly what it is. You have to fail a lot, and you're you're making yourself susceptible to failing by by just like you know experimenting with things. But that experimentation is what gets you to another level of understanding what works and what doesn't work in a, in a live environment, which ultimately makes you a better producer on the other side 
Absolutely. Because the first thing that I like kind of teach to my students who are DJs is like, hey, like you guys know how to mix. You guys know the structure. You know the arrangement because you know how to DJ. So it's like take that and start referencing that and building from there. And it's just like, I don't know. It's 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 definitely it's really cool to see people like you. I had no idea you were ever a resident and people like Blunts Blondes and Nitty Gritty because you can bridge that gap and have that long-term kind of goal in mind. And I feel like being a resident gives everybody their first foot in the door, whether it's to prove themselves, whether it's to get to know people. But I definitely wouldn't be where I'm at now or have the the ground by playing so often that I have in like the foundation if I wasn't a resident. And, and that's where I think people sometimes undermine the the job title per se. Yeah. I mean, everything, everything's hard and in, in the industry, like, you know, you got to pick what you're good at. And I think, I think during quarantine, I kind of took, I took a step back and, and realized like, you know, what, what am I doing here? Like, what am I good at? Um, and then I think I had this epiphany where I realized like, you know, I'm not just a producer. I do mm-hmm. all these different things and I want to kind of elaborate on those things. And uh, I think the focus for a lot of EDM right now is just like make beats, make beats, make beats. And then as quick forward. as you can, as yeah. quick as you can yeah. get them out. And <laughs> they, they have a shelf life of 72 hours and then everybody fucking forgets about them. And it's like, it sucks, you know, yeah, it does suck. And it's the game. I, I just didn't want to play that game at the moment. You know, I mean, you know, I'll get back into it cause I think it's important, mm-hmm. but it's something that I was like, hold up. I don't need to be playing this game. This isn't why I'm here. The reasons why I'm, I'm here is because I wanted to build a community. And I, I just had all these epiphanies during, uh, you know, the break, the hiatus that we all had. And I realized that it was about like, you know, building those friendships, meeting club owners, meeting like festival promoters, meeting the people who are actually like working the scene and trying to build the scene. And and that, that kind of became my focus for, for the last like, I guess like, yeah, like eight months, maybe. Um, just like That's really... Dope focusing in on 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 uh building the community and and that and then i started throwing my my parties again i've I've always been throwing these parties called lifted or okay um, i was about to ask you about that because there's very few i knew you threw your own parties because shamback was telling me about mm-hmm. that when when you were shout at the ritz alex. the other day i know shout out alex um he was and he was saying too like the fact that you threw a free party it was slam that night but he's like man Crisley just always brings this group of people that we don't have at Ritz. And it's like, that's the point though. That's how you build the community. You know, like that's what you were doing. So I I understand the back end of that. But on the other side, it's like you also throw your own shows. So like how long have you been doing that? And and has this always been something that you've kind of co-aligned with Grizzly and like with your project? Yeah, definitely. It's always been like a local driven thing. Um, I try to get like a lot of my local DJ friends, um, they don't get to play that often. They only play at mm-hmm. shows, you know, because yeah. a lot of the EDM scene is just shows and yeah. and they don't get like those reps in the gym. So I throw these parties and I and I try to throw as many of my friends on it as I can. Like, here, get some practice, get some practice. And then, you know, I'll hop in there and like go back to back with them and, and get them warmed up and feeling like, okay, I, I can do this and kind of build their confidence up a lot. And then at the same time, I'm growing the the local scene by getting more people out. And, and and not a normal crowd because when you throw a, a dubstep show, it's really hard to get new people in the scene because the tickets will be what like thirty forty dollars. Yeah. Someone someone who's never been to a show before isn't gonna pay that just because like you know I mean, if they haven't heard the artist why would they pay that? Why much? would they? Why absolutely yeah. would they? And is there any place in Texas that like 
does those kind of free range shows like guest list shows that you just kind of have a big list and it's a legitimate artist or not really? Yeah. Um, so I think the culture really started for me, that type of mentality of the free party culture really started for like South by Southwest. Mm-hmm. And I guess you could re- relate to that because of Miami Music Week. Yes. I don't know. If, well, it's it's different in Miami because everything has like a cover charge there. Yeah, it's very bougie. <laughs> it's definitely bougie. bougie. South yeah. South by Southwest is something I've never been to Texas. So I cannot wait to... I'm a very like multifaceted kind of music lover where I started in like metal and post-hardcore and now I do EDM. So South by Southwest seems like one of those just amazingly curated festivals where it's just like, hey, we're just coming and come for like the love of music and we're going to do this set on a fucking RV and do this through the street. Like it's it's so cool. Yeah, it's it's pretty renegade. Um, The the whole concept of it, I guess what started it was that like this is your... South by Southwest was a chance where an artist could break out or meet their manager, meet their agent. Um, that's where I met my ex management that really like, you know, helped me elevate my, mm-hmm. my uh, artistry, I guess. Um, but all the parties there are free basically with guest list and you, you can like meet, you connect with a bunch of people, you know, you meet other artists that are also aspiring to like be on that same level. And it's just like a melting pot of like, of, of, of driven people and it's all free and it's That's just amazing. a downtown party and it's it's a lot like Miami Music Week you know you just get to connect with everybody in the scene and you industry people. people everywhere yeah it's all industry people everywhere and i love that and that's like that's also the family that you're you're now joining it's like it's like a it really is like a giant family and and i i think that's what i really care about i don't i like i love making music i love djing and i love you know meeting this giant family and being a part of it and helping it grow. And that's, I really think like, those are my goals, essentially. Absolutely. And I mean, I feel like it's so important to like have an evolution in your career, whether that's like reinventing your sound or being like, hey, like, I really want to start my own label. I really want to head up this promotion company, event company, da, da, da. And it's like, your focus on building the community is like, that's like this evolution where like you have utilized your platform like as Grizzly, as this touring artist for a decade plus. And now because of your name, you're able to stand on this platform and like help the next group of up and comers kind of come to fruition and keep expanding that community because you have so much experience under your belt as being a touring artist. So you've seen everything. You've seen all the different markets. Yeah, that's a big thing that I'm trying to help out with like a lot of the base artists here in Austin and San Antonio. There's actually a bunch of great There's producers coming up right now i'm so excited so yeah, so who are some that you should definitely plug right now oh yeah uh well obviously heritage my roommate yes yes he's, oh so talented he's the best uh i don't know i don't have to say anything other than that no he's you don't literally the best <laughs> um but he moved here from portland so uh but he's texas he's texas as fuck now he yeah um and then who else uh blaze in san antonio mm-hmm. he's killing it he's he's going on tour he's actually touring and doing his own artist stuff outside of the local scene so that's awesome you know but i mean he still needs help like meeting some club promoters in san antonio to help drive the scene so we, i've been working with him on some of that stuff um days off sora pyro prosecute um, i've literally had all of these guys on my radio show oh, like yeah? <laughs> like i see i see them from like a distance and it's like yeah that whole like gridlock management team like perry wayne yeah. blaze hey pyro like all those guys yeah. who are in texas like 
there's some strong ass players. And it's just crazy because I, I don't know, like maybe you could offer some form of advice here. It's like, are you supposed to, because I look at those guys and they're really building themselves up on their own. They're doing the small club shows. They're doing the individual tour stops. Is that the right way to go about it versus waiting to be a placeholder on a large talent agency and then you get put as support on a large tour? Because it's like you see that dividend and I sit here and I go back and forth in my mind all the time. Like, should you be playing those small rooms or should you be in the studio working on music, waiting for the support slot on the big tour, waiting yeah. for the support slot on the big show. You I, know, yeah. I feel like that's exactly what you and a lot of other producers are going to. I mean, you teach and I'm sure you're you're trying to give the best advice possible. But I think yeah. the honest the honest answer is there's no there's no right or wrong way. Like you have to do what you're truly passionate about, whether that's playing small shows or like doing whatever. But you, it's it's a personal choice. It's not it's not about like what you should and shouldn't do it's what 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 gives you energy at the end of the day like what makes you want to wake up and actually keep doing it because if you don't want to be a resident dj then don't do it you're you're just gonna get drained but if you Mm -hmm. want to do it and you enjoy that like you know getting practice and getting up there and doing that then do it and if you just want to stay at home and be a producer do that that's fine and you know there's really no right or wrong way you should honestly find out what works best for you that so that you don't drain you know your cup and and not have that energy to show up basically but um, there's no right or wrong way honestly yeah and and that's why i think this industry is so like beautiful too because there isn't a set a to z you know step and path to get where you want to go like you can learn from the experience of you know inspirations and people you look up to and friends and people above your level but at the end of the day it's like it has to be what works for you and i just see so many up-and-comers and established artists it's like they're beating a dead horse because they don't enjoy what they're doing and then they just like run yeah. themselves into the ground i mean i was in that position for sure i was trying to get those releases out trying to make my agents and my managers happy <coughs> excuse me with um just like selling tickets and it's like this mm-hmm. isn't this is not what i want to be i don't want to be a hard ticketed artist that just has to sell out every every tour stop because once you get to that spot of you know, selling hard tickets, then the only goal is sell out, sell out, sell out, sell out. And if you don't hit that, it's a, it's a shitty feeling every time. And it's, it is hard as hell to sell out a show in a different state every single time. Oh my God. Yeah. And it's, and it is, that's not what I enjoy out of, out of doing this is, is like forcing myself to do that. But you know, sometimes it happens organically and that's just what some people are good at. I have friends that like crush it on, on that end of just making sure that they're, they're hitting the check boxes for, for uh, what you're supposed to be doing. And, you know, that's hard, but they love it. And, you know, shouts out to them um, for, for crushing it. But, you know, sometimes not everybody can handle it. And it, it, there's so much baggage, too, when it comes with being a musician, being an artist, you know. And that's why I talk about, you know, uh, protecting your energy or just, you know, doing what gives you energy because it, it is so draining being an artist if mm-hmm. if you don't, you know, protect yourself or protect your energy. And it's so easily being influenced by the energy around you and being influenced by what this person thinks is best for you and what this person thinks is best right. for you. But like at the end of the day, it's like you do have to take a step back. And it's like whether that's six months into your career, 10 years, 20 years, and be like, hey, like, do I enjoy what I'm doing? Or it will become miserable. And yeah. and so you were obviously like a hard 
ticket selling, you know, act for a very long time. When did that point come when you were like, hey, like this maybe isn't exactly what I want to do solely as an individual? Yeah, it, it was a slow process of of really realizing that. But there would be like a couple of shows where I would show up and it wasn't a dubstep crowd. And I was okay. like, wait a second, I'm I'm a dubstep artist. Why aren't like, you know, like I'm just going to do what I do. And that gave me a gross feeling inside because it's not where I started. Those weren't my roots of just mm-hmm. doing a dubstep show. It was it was like me being able to, you know, like mix different genres and and blend them all together and make people enjoy new types of music without them knowing it. That's what, what I honestly get a kick out of. So I, would, I was showing up to these shows probably around like 2017, um, 2018 and playing mostly dubstep. And then, you know, it wasn't being like received as it normally was sometimes because it wasn't the right crowd, you know, and, it, and I wasn't reading the crowd right. And I was just kind of having this like thought, like, you know, like it just didn't feel good. It felt gross. I think what one of the, one of the biggest moments for me to realize that was this after party set that I had to play for Pasquale. He just asked me to like hop on and I was like, of course. And I was just like, you know, searching through stuff searching through my folders and i was like man nothing nothing's like the vibe right now and i was like i don't want to play dubstep but that's all i had (laughs) and and um i was going back to back with another like major headliner that like was you know i'm not gonna i'm not gonna name any yeah no for sure but uh it was just like yeah we all we had was just like literally like headlining festival music and it was 6 a.m on the vegas parkway and (laughs) and it's just like and and the person who was supposed to be playing that we just took over was like this isn't the main stage. And I was like, I know, I'm sorry. <laughs> like, I, I know, I'm so sorry. I, I honestly wanted to play like mostly hip hop. I thought that would have been cool, a cool vibe, but um, I didn't have my hip hop ready or like, you know, all that. Um, yeah. Ready. And it was just like frustrating for me. And, and it's kind of like one of those like nightmares, you know, where you have where your USB doesn't work. And oh you know, my every, God, everybody has that. But um, it, was, it yeah. was like that, but I, I didn't have the right music for the crowd. And that was a gross feeling. And I was like, I don't, I don't like this and I just had to had to recalibrate and that's what the weeklies do for me the residencies that I have they really mm-hmm. like help me ground myself and make me realize like oh this is what I love like I love like finding all this new music experimenting with it failing um but having that playground to fail at is is where I really draw a lot of my passion from so it, it was around it was around that time when I like started feeling that yeah absolutely because like when you're going from city to city you don't necessarily have that playground. And yeah. like, that, and you know, that's how I look at Ritz is I look at it as my playground. So when I go other places, I'm like, all right, these are the the 10 minute segments of each set I've played over the last 10 weeks that I know are going to fucking floor them. Yeah, and get you know them they're going to smash. Yeah, yeah. So they're going <laughs> to smash. And it's like, that's that's the cool part. But it's like what you were talking about earlier as well from a hard ticket standpoint is you know, you can sell out venues in your your region and in your market and you can go hundreds of miles away and sell five tickets. And I think that's that's the the hardest part that I find my head wrapping around is, hey, you're focusing on this, you're focusing on this this area, but what about the other 10 areas? And what about the other 100 cities that throw shows? And it's just, it's a very interesting progression as an artist that I just don't think a lot of people understand or conceptualize the back end of. And, and it's stressful, you know, it's, it's fucking stressful. So it's really awesome that you were able to kind of find that middle ground and happy place that you were able to, you know, reflect and say, okay, this is what I enjoy. And this is what I can bring to the table. 
because I think some people go their whole career shelf life without having that moment and they just don't feel like fulfilled. Yeah. And it, it is easy to get addicted to just like selling out shows and being like the biggest artist possible. But I think that's that's um a step in a in the wrong direction where you could you you really need to be trying to build up your um sorry, uh I can hear that. Let me let me turn this down. I, you gotta um you got to take care of yourself first, basically. Yeah, no, absolutely. And make sure you're ready for that, for that, those, that mental challenge of like showing up to a different state and like, there's not that many people because yeah, that's going to, that's going to that's gonna like put you in a, like a bad state of mind. Once you get back home, you're going to be like, what am I doing wrong? What, what's happening? But yeah, you're able to take that, that mental challenge on better when you focus on, on yourself like from from the ground up like make sure you take care of all these things you know you're good mentally so that you can show up to an out-of-state show and maybe there's not like it's not sold out but maybe there's 30 people and you still crush it and like hey that was worth it like i feel good i know who i am like yeah there's 30 yeah. people there who cares like it was i'm doing me and i'm having the best time ever as opposed yeah. to like showing up and being like why is this not good enough like you know chasing numbers and and trying to make trying to make your agents happy trying to make your managers happy like take care of yourself first and foremost Absolutely. Here. I'm sorry. Let me close the door real quick. No, you're good. Yeah. You got a puppy? I heard a dog. <laughs> sorry, my roommate just got home. Usually I don't have anybody in this house until like 7 p.m. No, you're um, good. Okay, yeah, I heard you yeah. had a dog. Yeah, no, sorry. She, well, she's, she's great. When I'm in like work mode, she just sleeps right underneath my studio Aww. desk and there's no issues. But the second you have somebody else in the house, it's yeah, like, yeah. okay, it's playtime. Okay, it's time to go out, time to go on a walk. Um, but no, that's my little quarantine baby that that has mentally been just like uh, wonderful for, yeah. for me, my roommate, my to boyfriend. Get a dog so bad. It's I hard when you travel though, so you know? Yeah, so um, but back to what you were saying, it's really hard as like an artist, you know, having that team that like you're honestly kind of responsible for, you know, to a certain extent. And that's why I feel like having that self of like that sense of self-security and like knowing your worth, even though, you know, the tickets may not have been sold because everybody starts from ground zero. Like you have to start from ground zero if you're going to, in my opinion, like last more than two to three, four years. Like you can just get thrown onto a huge tour, but I don't think that necessarily helps you build like the foundation and like brick blocks that are going to allow you to have a career in this industry that lasts a decade, that lasts two decades. And it's like, I'll go and I'll play venues and I have to just tell myself like, hey, this is where you're starting. These are the starting blocks. It's okay that, you know, only a hundred tickets were sold. It's okay that X, Y, and Z were sold. But it's like that inner mind battle. And that's why I feel like having a strong supportive team from a management and agent perspective is so fucking important because yeah. it could like make or break you. And the more that I get intertwined in this industry, the more I understand how important it is and how small of a community it ends up being once you're in that that festival circuit. And you know what you said earlier, like that community does get small. You do end up knowing everyone. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think, I think what, what it might come down to is maybe people get distracted by taking shortcuts because mm -hmm. they want to sell out every show as soon as they go on tour. That's, yeah. that's the goal. They want to sell it out immediately, but it's like, it's unrealistic. It's, it's, un it's unrealistic. And, uh, you know, it takes time and that it, 
you, I don't think you should put that pressure on you, but you know, a lot of people will try to put that pressure on you or you'll put that pressure on yourself, you know, and, and mentally think, you know, you're not good enough, but um, yeah, it, it comes from hard work. And that's, I, I mean, I, I hate giving that advice, like just work hard, but like, that's, it, it takes a lot of hard work and a lot of struggles. And, but once you get past that, you know, you'll feel confident. You'll have that, like you said, rock solid foundation, you know, like nothing can really like, like, like get you down because mm-hmm. you know what your self-worth is. And um, I think that's, that's one of the most important things to get down from the beginning so you can take on those challenges. Absolutely. And I just feel like a lot of people, again, like what you said, like working hard, because it sounds almost too simplistic. It's almost yeah. like, oh, what? Like that's really a good lie. Advice, you know, that's <laughs> shitty advice. But some people don't want to work. They, they yeah. don't want to put in the time. And, and that hard work, a huge percentage of what falls underneath that concept is just time and like practice mm-hmm. and doing it over and over and over again. And that comes from like DJing, from branding yourself, from working on music and production. And it's like, yeah, if you have an open-ended check, maybe you can expedite that process a little bit more, but mm-hmm. you won't last. So it's kind of like identifying if you want this to be a career or right. you want this to be a chapter in your life in which you can fulfill what you want to achieve yeah. and then move on to the next thing. And it's like to each their own. But I feel like there's definitely a balance of those two that yeah. coexist in this industry. It's like, do you want to get famous or do you want to have a career, like a long lasting career? Do you want to make money to provide for yourself yeah. and provide? Because, <laughs> you know, you look at these huge agencies and without naming anything, without naming artists. I have friends who are on these agencies and like, they're not financially well off. And you would think being associated with a huge agency that represents X, Y, and Z that, that caters to all of these properties, you would be making money. But when you realize that from a consumer standpoint, that the management takes a cut, the agents take a cut, you still have to live. You, You have to pay rent. You have to pay your bills and expenses, just like a normal human. And after all that, you know, you still want to be able to live comfortably. And a lot of people, if you take the shortcuts, that's unfeasible. And it's really hard once you get yeah. put on a certain platform to go back and do the groundwork. Yeah. And you're such a good person to have that perspective on because you are literally doing this right now. It being like, the, it's basically being your own boss and, and creating your own revenue by like how you, how you do it with your residencies, your podcast your uh uh patreon that other shit yeah it's a grind like yeah you're doing you're doing as much as you possibly can because you want to stay financially stable and a lot of people don't take that approach they're just they they like you know want to get the the, usually the first goal is like i want to get an agent i want to get a manager and then that's how i'll make more money and it's like that's not really how it works you have to be your own boss and 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 like really put yourself out there and, and, tr- and try to figure out ways to make money because we're all like entrepreneurs at a, a certain point. We all start our own LLC and, mm-hmm. and are trying to like make this a career. And there's so many different ways to make money. It's not just like uh, release bangers and then hopefully, you know, you sell out shows. That's, there's so much more to this industry than that. Yeah. And like the fact of you being your own boss, you're in control of it. and and. Even though it may seem like, you know, I'm being filtered through my management and my agents and the bookings coming from them and all that stuff, you're their boss. They work for you. They're taking a a percentage of what you make. Like if you don't show up, 
you are the product. And that's where I feel like, you know, unfortunately bringing into play how many losses we've seen over the last year due to, you know, mental illness, et cetera, et cetera. Like we very easily as artists can lose ourselves if, you know, we, we, we don't understand that we're not a product, we're in an individual and we have feelings and we have all of this stuff because at the end of the day, like you are a product that is being sold, but you have to be in touch with what you said earlier, your energy. And I feel like me having the podcast, you throwing your own events, having that different faceted side where you're approached more as an individual human instead of a product on stage is that grounding facet that everybody should try to have somewhat in their life, whether it's having a second job outside of music or doing something where it's teaching or X, Y, and Z, because you can just get lost in the clouds by being an artist. Yeah. I, yeah. And I, I definitely look up to you with the approach that you're doing because that's some real shit. Is no, you're the- going to make me tear up because like, I was literally like, I was like, mom, Chrisley's <laughs> coming on the podcast. And she's like, Chrisley, she's like, you played your first Friday show with him a long time ago. And I was like, yeah, mom, it's Chrisley. But so I, I do appreciate you saying that because yeah. there's, and you know, it's the same with you. I'm sure you've been in the position where some days I just kind of just look at the wall and I'm like, fuck, man, like, I hope all this work pays off. Like, I really hope it does. But you just have to is. keep going. It's already, it's already paying off. Yeah, yeah. No, it, I mean, it definitely is. It, it's, it's hard, too, where maybe you can elaborate on this when I like am someone who has imposter syndrome. And I think a lot of artists do when you, like, oh, yeah. don't feel like you're standing on stage or, you know, I have Grizzly on the podcast. I have fucking Riot 10 on the podcast. And I'm like, damn, like, I'm really fucking talking to these motherfuckers. Like, maybe I shouldn't be here right now maybe I shouldn't be doing this because yeah, we all go through that for you sure. know so I I don't know was it very different when you started touring as an artist or is it really just the same on the back end of the industry and it's just a different time period um like same as when I started to now yeah or it's I mean I I feel like it's mentally the same I, I feel like one of the biggest things was me just like I, I started touring such a not young age. I mean, cause some of these people that are touring now are like 16 or 17, yeah. but, um, yeah. I started when I was like 19, 20, um, constantly like being on tour. I think my first bus tour was with 12 planet and I was like 20 years old. Oh um, my gosh. How was I, that? Yeah, that was, that was intense, but it, it just, I, I don't think anything's really changed since then for me personally. I'm just, I'm just always pulling up with my MacBook out, like making edits, like working on stuff. And, you know, that's, that's what I love to do. Um, but I think the, the way you approach it as like, you know, like you said, multifaceted, like coming from different angles, like trying to figure it out. That's, that's like how inevitably you're going to be a part of the scene and, and grow with it is, is you, you figure out all the different things you can do. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's like picking something and like becoming good at it, like whether it's throwing parties or producing or, you know, having a podcast. And I think it's it's awesome to understand the concept of multitasking, but also even better to understand that you can't do everything at the same time with 100% effort. So it's really important to say, okay, like I'm going to time batch, I'm going to schedule my time to focus on this for the next semester, focus on this for the next quarter of the year. Yeah, that's a huge part of it. That's what I'm starting to figure out better now, which I wasn't. I was basically doing what 
you know, what a lot of people want to do is just kind of just like, just like going for like uh, viral stuff or just like trying to be like, you know, like as popular as possible without really focusing on like time management. And that's something that I've learned recently a lot more. And I see you and, and I see like, you know, I, I look up to you how you figure that out at such like a a young starting point or like not like like an early point in your career you already have that down which is so key and and I'm hoping like you know you you I'm sure you're giving that advice to everybody you're coming in contact with with your um for sure students and everybody for sure um but yeah that's that's so important and I'm so glad that that you figured it out it just makes me so like hopeful for the future of a lot of dance music that that people like you have figured it out. A lot of the people that I look up or like the younger kids that I look up to now, like they figured it out. And I'm like, and I, I just reassure them. I'm like, yes, you're doing it right. Just keep, keep doing that. Um, yeah. But yeah. I was going to, I was going to ask you a couple questions because. Go um, for it. Absolutely. Yeah. I actually really enjoy when this, when this gets turned around, because we get some good conversation out of it, but yeah, no, please ask away. Yeah. Uh, I was going to ask, if you could wave a magic wand, how would you change the scene? Like from your own standpoint, like, and it doesn't have to be negative. It can be positive. It could be neutral or it can be negative. So I'm going to, I'm going to counter your magic wand. Yes. And, and say the biggest thing from afar that I get bothered by and wish did not exist, but it exists in every industry. Mm-hmm. So I don't think it's it's hard because when I talk to established seasoned people like yourself and then I'm an up and comer. So we do have different perspectives on things where I don't want to reinvent the wheel. I don't want to change the wheel. I understand how the back end of the industry works. However, you know what you were just saying that you're hopeful for the future with people like Aaron, people like myself, so many talented, you know, individuals. I don't understand why there is this aspect of gatekeeping that I feel like I see a lot. But on the other side of that, does the gate disappear once you've put in your time and done enough work? That's what I look at. Yeah. So like, yeah, what, what, what? keeps what what do you think is a is a gatekeeping scenario so so a gatekeeping scenario would be per se all right so instead of you know we see this incredibly talented younger artist who has had some strong releases they look like they've got some good support their branding's on point their marketing is you know presentable we know they could push tickets let's put them on a support tour but mm-hmm. why is that lost to oh, well, I have my friend here who, you know, they can just, they'll just take the spot and it doesn't matter because I feel like that's hindering the progression of this scene. That's how I feel. If, if like the people on the back end, and it's awesome because like you are in that position sometimes with the shows that you throw where you're technically acting as the role as a talent buyer, even though it is a local show, you know, why, why is it always... I guess I'm just going to go to the corporates first. I'm I'm not going to kind of read the room and do my due diligence and work and see who actually people are interested in seeing and who people may go out of the way to see. And is that just the way it's going to be? Or do you think if the right people were in those administrative positions, such as talent buyers, such as, you know, event coordinators, um, that there could be a change? I don't yeah. know. It's, it's, it's all an investment game. You know, these, like you said, the talent buyer is 
throwing money at this party and hopefully in hopes to make a profit. Um, so I think my way around, cause I started out as nothing. I was yeah. li- literally just like from a small ass town in Texas, like 10,000 people. And I had like no chance at really doing anything unless I like, you know, worked your fucking tried. ass off. Yeah. Or tried something. Yeah. yeah. And, and I worked, I worked really hard and I only, that's all I knew was how to work hard. I was, I was pretty much a loner in high school and I just worked my ass off in my bedroom. <laughs> but as soon as I got out of the house, I was like, okay, well, who do, who's who's really like changing the scene and that's why i said like disco donnie is my idol and that's like why he was the first person that i I wanted to approach because he he is a gatekeeper at some sense you know he's Mm -hmm. he's the one throwing it and doing it so like why not be friends with him why not like show that i respect him because at what happens is people don't really like approach him or really like you know like connect with him or connect with anybody else in the industry like the girl who's running hospitality the, the the transport drivers, like the whole scene behind it. I think people, you know, forget that it's a whole industry of like a moving parts and, you know, why not be friends with everybody? And that's, that's one of the first things I did. I, there's, there's such a good local scene in Austin with the DJs and, you know, who, you know, and I, I just, I just met everybody by going mm-hmm. to shows. I was a part of the scene. So people, you know, I, I would say they, I guess they trusted me because they, you know, they're familiar with me and I, I made an effort to really like reach out and be like, Hey, how can I help? Or like, what can I do to help? And, you know, at the beginning it was a lot like, Hey, can you just open for the show? Or, you know, like do this or, or just play at, at this show. And I was like, sure. Yeah. Whatever helps. And then I'm like, what else do you need? And they're like, you know, we want to sell tickets. I'm like, cool. I'm on it. I'm selling tickets. So I became like an actual promoter and, and, and was on the ground, like selling, selling everything. And I think, that that's my technique to get away, uh, get around the gatekeeping. And I think the same approach that you're having with just like, you know, working multiple facets just to get, you know, your name out there more and do as much as you possibly can to, to get around that gatekeeping is, is, is one way to do it. Because if you're just worried about, you know, like opening for, for a big show, I think it's, it's going to be really difficult because there's so many other artists that are, or so many other up and coming artists that are, that are gunning for that spot. And yeah, it will end up going to someone who's a friend or a friend of a friend because uh, they just like have that, you know, face, face-to-face connection. And I think everybody should make an effort to do that at some point. Absolutely. And, and I love that because, you know, for everyone who's listening, that gives that back-end perspective. And it's like me, I even struggle with that to a certain standpoint because, you know, in my mind, it's like, hey, Pasquale's over there. Oh, hey, I know that talent buyer. Like, I know the faces. I know the names. Then you have that little voice that goes, oh, they don't want to talk to you right now. They're too busy right now. But if there's a way to handle that approach where you're introducing yourself or, you know, coming up to someone and saying, hey, I respect the hell out of what you do. Thank you for doing this. There's a way to do that in a classy manner that does not coexist with you saying, hey, man, book me. Hey, man, here's my USB. And I think the more people can break down, especially up and comers in their mind that this person doesn't want to talk to you. That person's just another human being. They will be able to do that more. I just feel uh, like from my perspective, when I talk to up and comers, they feel like we're in high school and we have, you know, we have all of the tables already sat and they're already full. Mm -hmm. And, and, 
no one, you know, unless you're, which is amazing now because there's so many new labels popping up. So it's like there's new families that are like blooming, that are opening the doors to, you know, invite these new artists in and invite all of these, you know, awesome up and comers to introduce them more into the industry via, you know, Cyclops recordings, via room service, you know, because they're ran by Subtronics and they're ran by Burials. And there's so many of those now that also help hinder that gatekeeping. So I'm very excited for the future. But I think that's like two years ago, Lizzie talking when I just couldn't for the life of me understand why some people got these bookings and why some Mm -hmm. people got put on these tours. But, you know, it's also like time, like my mental state is in such a different place now than it was two years ago. And the things that I used to be resentful of or jealous of don't exist anymore. Right. That's a huge, that's a huge thing that like the younger, like EDM scene goes through there. I see a lot of people trying to rush everything. They're rushing their like friendships. They're rushing their connections. They're rushing like shows because they, it just takes time. And, and I think a lot of it comes down to expectations. Like you could walk up to someone and a lot of people (laughs) will walk up to me and, you know, expect something from me, expect me to like hand them like, like a show be like oh dude you should play here right now like here get on the decks but it's like that's that's not realistic expectations like i have to get to know someone you know before mm-hmm. i can like really get them on a show because i don't feel confident like just throwing someone on a show randomly no. <laughs> i have to I have to like i have to i have to get that face-to-face connection so i personally make an effort to like go out and like actually meet all these like up-and-coming producers like uh, everybody in in the austin and san antonio scene like I, I try to meet them and like really get to know them and, and like help them out. And then once they're ready, I start pitching them to all the local venues being like, Hey, this person's good. This person's good. Like, like I'm trying to help everybody out and, you know, at least like accelerate that process. So, cause otherwise I think those, those kids that are up and coming are going to be stuck not knowing what to do. And, and, you know, you need someone to help you out, you know, along the way. Exactly. And like, there's not always that person. There's not always you in that city willing to do that. Like I tried to do that at Ritz for a a certain standpoint where, you know, it was a very like, hey, we're just going to bring somebody in who has a fucking fire list. They may be playing YouTube rips and it may be a fucking terrible set, but they brought people through the door and it was like, okay, how can we reframe our mind to look at these up and comers that are making their own music? They're, they're pushing the grind. Let's bring them in and expose them to an already established night and see where we can gauge them from there. And then it's like someone like you comes in and says, okay, we can trust this individual. And that's why I feel like when you're an up and coming artist, everywhere you go, you have to handle yourself professionally. And, and maybe I'm a bit too serious about it than I should be because I love to have fun too. But there's this very muddy line that runs in our industry where you have the party and then on the other end of it, you have like the paycheck and the business. And you as an up and coming individual, as well as an establishing artist, you know, I always remember when someone's a shit show and doesn't handle themselves, you know, properly. But I don't know. What's your aspect on that? Yeah, well, I could could give you, I could, one of the best advice that I, or one of some of the best advice that I got was um, when you walk in a room, just pretend that everybody uh, just already likes you. And that, yeah. that helped me out so That's much. That's great. <laughs> I, do, I should do that more. Because, because that's, I, 
it, it, people aren't really thinking about you. They're thinking about themselves. You know, they're mm-hmm. stuck in their own head. So if you just imagine everybody likes you, even if you, if you can like come up to them and they don't like you and you're just nice, a nice person, they're, they're just, they're not going to be mean to you. They're just, no. they're going to be nice back. They're going to reflect your energy. So it's, it's bringing that energy to a room, just being like, everybody's cool. Like, let's just make sure everybody's happy and, and, and make sure that, uh, you know, I'm just, you just be nice to everybody and, and, and don't expect anything. That's, that's also like, that's where, huge. That's where people trip is, is they expect things to happen or expect someone to do this for them. But I think I have no expectations ever. And I'm, I'm always trying to give instead of, you know, take. And so if there's anything that I can do to help, I'm a team player. I'm, I'm just, I'm just walking up. I'll say hi to someone to just meet them just so I, so that I, they know that they can approach me if they need anything. Yeah. Actually, that's, but. that's, that's definitely the way to go. And I feel like if you're in, I guess, like, don't be fucking hammered. Like if you're in the right mind state, I feel like to have that approach where, Hey, I'm going to walk in the room. I'm going to have confidence. I'm going to be cool, calm, collected, and I'm going to make sure that everybody has their shit done and I'm going to offer a helping hand. Like I don't see a lot of people do that. So I feel like that would go further than most interactions or courses of action. If you kind of like just show up and, and I also feel like being overly prepared is something, again, I'm talking from an upcoming standpoint, not so much an established artist, but I guess this does, you know, it does, does apply to, to those touring artists, but they kind of already have it under their belt is like, hey, like you should know that you're going to be nervous. You should have that backup USB. You should have your computer with you because you never know what's going to get thrown at you. And my kind of perspective is like, hey, when you step on stage, like 90% of the work should be done and you should be ready to engage with your crowd and like have fun. Yeah, I think I think you bring so many good points to the table. I think one like one of the things that we're talking about with gatekeeping that I also like to think about what's helped me like break that mental barrier of like I can't do this because like I'm not allowed to or like I'm not I can't do this because it's not what people expect I think I got out of that mindset probably during quarantine or like you know when the pandemic started I I started realizing that like it we really do create our own reality and there's no one stopping you from doing that and Mm -hmm. once you break through that and realize that like you can create your own reality it's a mindset thing at the end of the day it it, everything just like started getting a lot easier and it it enabled me to like create something out of nothing and and a lot of people and a lot of upcoming artists are looking for something that's already established and trying to like you know not 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 necessarily leech off of it but um they're just trying to like you know gain something from something that's already there whereas i took a step back during quarantine and realized like what got me here was not thinking like that it was like let me just throw my own parties let me book my own like mini festivals in San Antonio and let me pack out the venue. Let me be my own promoter. Let me do this because like I was supposed to just be an artist and just like DJ. And it's like, no, I can, I can create this reality for me. I can create the space for me. And, but I, it's, it take, took a lot of work and it, it's a lot of pressure, but um, it's that, it's that getting in that mindset of like, you know, like you, you, you can create it. You, you don't have to wait around for someone to say yes. And I think that's something that with my kind of generation of artists coming up is a huge hit home point of like, hey, stop waiting around, just make it happen. 
But it's always harder to take that route than the waiting route. And some people just don't want to do it. Yeah, but it's like, if you, yeah, you know, sure. you know, and it's like, if you can find the logistics of it, anything that you can imagine can become a reality, but you have to be realistic in your planning. And I think something that I've gone through too, that every artist goes through is like, when I have this negative mindset that like, hey, this isn't going to fucking happen. It's not realistic. It's not X, Y, and Z. It doesn't happen. But when I say, okay, what can I do everything in my power to where if it doesn't happen for me, I know I did everything and I worked as hard as I possibly could. And the next time it comes around, I've already done 98% of the work and it's going to be easy to secure. So it's like, it's not a, this isn't like a one or done kind of industry. It's like, hey, like all of this work in all of these different categories won't go unnoticed and you're not going to lose the work that you've already done, whether it's an official remix or I can't even tell you how many fucking remixes I've submitted. Nope, not good enough. Nope, not good enough. And then it's like, when you finally get that one that's good enough, it's the first one. And you go, okay, well, this wouldn't have happened if I didn't get the no's all these times. And you were talking about it earlier in the conversation where you get so many more no's and you fail so many more times than you're going to succeed or be told yeses. But that's like the most important part of journey and I like of your journey and of growing in this industry. Because if you never get told no, like you're not going to grow. I don't know. Yeah. That's my perspective. That's 100%. And I, I honestly, once I started touring, I didn't get told no enough. I think that really <laughs> hurt my career because I, I got to a point and there was just all yeses and I could mm -hmm. do whatever I want. And I, and I think that ultimately didn't really help me out. Like, I wish I took a slower route to, to um, what got me here because, yeah, I was just getting yes to everything. Like, I got, I got immediately booked on the first EDC Vegas. I was doing, I did like EDC wow. Vegas like five years in a row. Like, it, and, and I had that imposter syndrome. I'm like, why am I here? But it was really just all the hard work that I put in as a kid without even knowing it. Mm -hmm. and, and that's, it was, it was just a mindset that I had that nobody else had was just like, look, if you want to do it, like go out there and put in the work and it's, it's, it's not, it's not easy, but, um, no. you, you know what you have to do once you calculate and, and really think about it. And, and if, if you want to give that, it'll, it'll all happen a lot faster than, than, you know, searching for something, but um, absolutely. Yeah. I, was, I feel, Oh, sorry. Uh, go ahead. Sorry. No. Yeah. I was, I, I kind of have this like same approach with a lot of the music that I've been, um, playing out too. It's like a lot of people only imagine, um, the songs that they're playing out, like they only really imagine it in one space. And I think, I think a lot of that like is like a mindset thing. Like do, do these songs work here at like a festival or do they work here at an after hours club? Like there's this really like weird disconnect and it's, it, it's, it's, I think it's from the mind where you're interpreting the music. Like, like, yeah, sorry to get on a different subject, but it's just Oh, like, no, 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 that's fine. Go for it. I'm, I'm actually interested about. in what you're saying. So what do you mean by existing in different spaces, like, like music? There, I mean, I'll do these weeklies, and people mm -hmm. will come up to me and be like, yo, they'll, they'll show me new music, and you're like, yo, this will go off at Lifted. That's the weekly that I throw. And yeah. I'm like, and it's like, okay, you get it now. You Like, you're interpreting this space as like a place where a certain types of songs will, will, uh, will really hit. And, and, and that was like a weird mindset shift that i had um during quarantine it's like because i wasn't able to leave my house i was stuck in this room like mm -hmm. listening to music and just having my headphones on you know just like jamming music but it's i had to like imagine songs at different venues at different um 
places. And, and that really helped me break a barrier in, in my own head of like, what is possible. And, and that's what helped me get to this weird, this not weird, but like a better spot of like creating my own reality was like, okay, I hear these songs. Like, where can I imagine this being played? And where does the best fit for this? Like, when, when does this need to be played? Like 10 PM, 11 PM, 12 PM. And like, I started like thinking about, uh, sets differently and and you know touring differently there's there's like it was just it was just breaking that barrier of like this is what i should be doing or like you know like or thinking like what looking at other artists and 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 like just like imitating them in a sense like like mm-hmm. i think everybody is coming into the scene like being like i want to be a festival dj i want to be a festival dj and so their whole sets are just all festival music and bangers banger bangers, banger bangers, banger yeah which i love too i love i love that that's the best part of, of you know like festivals are the best but um i think breaking that barrier of like you can only play bangers is is a real like mindset game-changing element to what really helped me like comprehend what this all means and that that brought it back to like the community uh like residencies and like you know you know building the scene it's it's kind of it's kind of like interpreting music in a different way where like that, I think that's why like like a lot of the Wook stuff is is popping off because oh yeah the people the people who were jamming that and listening to that weren't thinking about bangers and festivals all the time they were thinking about like you know like weird camping uh like setups like like uh the the RV like camping campgrounds the set. RV at Electric Forest the yeah R- like, yeah yeah and that's like a different interpretation of different sounds that can work and then all of a sudden you see that music on the main stage all of a sudden and oh, you know, yeah. I, saw, I saw that coming and it's it's the people and oh, you know, yeah. I, saw, I saw that coming and it's it's the people that really like can imagine something different but in in a new space and it's 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 really just like interpreting the music in it in a, in a different way where it's like there's no rules it's it's like what actually works what is actually going to like hit here and that and that that really is what helped me get past that uh that those moments where I only had dubstep in my crates and mm-hmm. and didn't have enough of like a well rounded uh set um because at, in the beginning I was just like I was downloading e d m when it wasn't even a thing, and no one knew what it was, and I was interpreting it at at like weddings I used to play weddings and I would, oh my gosh okay i would and birthday parties when I was like sixteen and seventeen that's amazing and, yeah so but it was that it was that mindset ability that I was able to like uh, transport these weird electronic songs into a wedding somehow but like I had this perspective of, like if I just do this and then like connect it with a popular song obviously like make an edit but then bring it back to here it's like okay it'll work but I had to like you know break that barrier in my head that that you know was like the thoughts and or like the voice in the back of my head it's like you can't do that it's like no I can I have to just like really like you know imagine it and 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 you know like make it make it a reality basically anything's possible when you take the time to do it and that's where i think i i love that i've been able to become a seasoned dj because i think a lot of producers who don't you know it it's great in our industry i definitely do think you know you know production is first but djing is a respected art and it is a different skill set i see so many producers that i love their music and you know i don't really vibe to their sets and i know a lot of fans and a lot of you know consumers of music can resonate with that but it's really awesome to when you know you hear something and then you think of to a song in the 80s or you think to a song in the 90s and you're like hey like 
I can think it, like I can hear it, but you just have to have the time allocated to have like this well thought out idea and be able to like bring that to life. And that just comes with like you not doing it on the fly, like you sitting down at your desk and like fucking figuring that out or in the green room and figuring it out before it's executed because you can execute anything well if you have like enough time to do it properly. So I I don't know. That's just that that definitely is something where before having the residency, I would not be able to understand or resonate, but it's absolutely um, that space. But I still get to the point where, you know, if if we're at an after party, we're at other stuff and I've got my USB, it's just kind of like, hey, like this is not a dubstep space, but instead like reformulating your mind and your perspective to say, okay, so out of what you have, what can you do to make it work here in this space, in this atmosphere? And that's a totally different approach. That I don't think a lot of people have, but it's, it's, that's super dope. Yeah. It's, it's, um, it's, that's what, that's what I personally find a passion. And yeah, I am a DJ and we could, we could talk about being a DJ producer, like what, what you should and shouldn't do. But it, it like I said in the beginning, it really doesn't matter. It's up it to, doesn't matter. It's it, do whatever you want, do whatever makes you excited to like show up obviously every, every day. That's, that's what you're supposed to do. And I personally enjoy being a DJ. I like, like figuring out crowds, figuring out new music that hasn't been, you know, tested out before and like yes. really testing it out and, and seeing if it works. And because if it's a good song, it'll work. And I think, I think, yeah, there's, there's so much good music out there. We should be like so much. I love just throwing things at the wall and seeing what sticks and, and figuring out what people are into. Because once I figure out something that sticks that someone else hasn't been trying, it's like, boom, game on. Let's, let's keep, you know, like trying something like this similar and, and, you know, try to create something new out of it. And that's where I kind of created like a lane with dubstep and like hip hop mm-hmm. um, stuff, because not a lot of people were doing it in the beginning. You know, there was, there's people doing it for sure. I wasn't the only one or the first one, but you know, there, it wasn't like, just like, you know, it, it didn't exist before. So I, I, I would try some of these hip hop edits and, and dubstep edits and and they just kept sticking and i'm like i like i like this type i like hip hop i like dubstep let's keep doing it and then i just kept doing it <laughs> and you have to do what you like too because that's the only way to like experiment with with songs or with different you know ids and and see if they work or not by just trying it like just go out on a whim and try it because you know if it doesn't work and you're in the middle of a set 30 seconds later you'll be on something else it's not the fucking end of the world and i i think the like more important aspect of that though is you took your two favorite influences and you combined them and I think a lot of people get wrapped up in like what's hot or what's trending or how I'm supposed to sound or how I'm supposed to play and the further the most far you'll get is by doing what makes you happy and finding those niche little sounds and like you know, just different subgenres that work together. And that's what I loved about quarantine because I feel like what you just kind of talked about with that Wakan stuff, the Wookiee stuff kind of coming to the forefront is that we got all of these different subgenres, whether it was the deep stuff or the down tempo or the melodic rhythm or color base, the stuff that wasn't popping off pre-COVID now was very listenable music, not in a club setting, not in a festival setting. And it makes me excited for when everything gets fully ramped up again to see what kind of music is going to hit the stages because I think it's a little bit different. Yeah, I think it's going to be different for sure. I like I I did a complete 180 and I'm into house now and I play house a lot. (laughs) Well, you do that on your stream too, right? You throw house parties. 
Yeah, yeah. Um, but I, for my weeklies, I started playing at like a bottle service club downtown. Oh, okay. And you know how you're saying you played house at the Ritz. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, it, yeah. Sometimes that's just what people want. Like, it's like kind of the the lowest common denominator. But I, you know, figured out a way to finesse my own style into it and, you know, make it uh, my own thing, you know, because I wasn't a house DJ or a house artist uh, mm-hmm. before quarantine. But after it's like, oh, I'm I'm like, knee deep in this now and i'm i'm getting i'm getting my feet wet for sure uh but i love it i I think i just love i just love music and and it took me it took me a second to like step back and realize like i'm not just a dubstep touring act i need to stop trying to do that because everybody's you know wants that and expects that from me i should you know and i had to like really like break that barrier and be like no i want to just play music and it it took it took me like throwing a lot of stuff at the the walls until something stuck um, to figure out that I like house, you know, but mm-hmm. I wouldn't have figured that out if I hadn't tried like a hundred different other things to see what would actually stuck. But yeah, I think, yeah, it's, um, that, that's one thing, one positive thing about quarantine for sure. Just yeah. Oh, absolutely. And, and I mean, it's, it's scary too, because we're in an industry where your product, your artist is sold in a box and, and it's scary watching I always like reference Visceral, the Visceral project on Getter's project on like this podcast mm-hmm. is like that, that like artist sacrifice that like took the heat because people were not receptive to the, you know, to the, the evolution of his project. And I think post Visceral, post that just like epic failure from a consumer standpoint, it's it's a bit more widely accepted. And like I take Blaze as like a good, um, you know, example of someone, even though it is a different project, it's still mm-hmm. him and he's able to sell, okay, hey, I'm doing bass. Hey, I'm doing house. And there is that happy middle ground. And it's like for someone as established as you who has that following, even if you lose, let's say you lose 10% of your fan base, like the fans like you because of who you are and what you've done in your past. And, and I think the biggest thing is not everyone is going to like everything, but that doesn't mean they're not going to like the next thing. And they're not going to like the thing after that. So it's like, you have to do what makes you happy at the current time. And I think it's so boring when an artist puts out four albums over the course of, you know, five years that sound exactly the same. That's not interesting, you know? So you want to see that evolution. And, and I think, from a consumer standpoint, people are finally starting to get on board with like, hey, these artists, whether you see it or not, are doing production for video games. They're doing ghost production. They're doing production in hip hop. And like, I look at like Blunt's doing the shit with, uh, you know, Taylor Gang and stuff. And it's like, that's mm-hmm. what everybody should be doing because we have such a dope skill set that just doing bass music is like a disservice to yeah. our abilities within like the DAW and within like our musical like headspace. Yeah, if you, if you really love music, you 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 will expand on it, and mm-hmm. you know it. And I think yeah, you are supposed to make you know like you are supposed to have your genre when you create like a package, like an artist package, and and you are supposed to do this, and you know people crush it in that element. But um, yeah, there's there's this new wave coming for sure of just like different sounds and different approaches. Um, and yeah, I'm definitely excited for that. Yeah, absolutely. I I look at you know the younger the younger artists like like more kismet like you know so many guys who are 15 16 17 18 and what's amazing is i feel like they had the opportunity to 
get into the DAW before they knew what other people were doing and mm-hmm. they, what they knew, you know, before they knew, oh, like, that's not how I should be doing it. That's yeah, no, they, they start so fresh that they don't yes. have any expectations. And yep. it's, it's, that's awesome. And that's, that's like really where it, 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 like a lot of creativity comes from is just breaking those expectations, not doing the norm, experimenting mm-hmm. and trying new things. Um, yeah. Uh, what was I going to say? I had something to add to that. I'm really ADD sometimes. Oh no, I am too. I'll literally, Akira will move <laughs> and I'll look at Akira and I'll be like, fuck, what was I going to say? Um, if, if you remember, just, just tell me and we'll go back to it. Yeah. But you know, it's, it's, um, quarantine definitely put a switch up a little bit on this, this industry. And I don't think we're necessarily going to see it reflected in the lineups we see this year through like the end of the year. Obviously people don't seem to understand this, but most, you know, festivals are kind of honoring what they had for 2020. Everybody's still getting the same offers, but I think going into summer of next year, 2020, it'll be really, really dope to see the newer artists that you really saw come out of this, you know, period of time grinding and and just people who have really not that they popped out of nowhere i'm sure they've been making music for five to ten years but they finally got that platform to share their music on because everyone was just staring at their phones like it's gonna be really cool to see those artists translate into you know where all the other headliners are sitting and i really do believe that's gonna happen it'll happen sooner or later mm-hmm. yeah i agree oh i think i remembered okay go for it <laughs> yeah no, you're yeah. good it was, it's, it's just something that gets me excited. I think like how I was talking about before building the community mm-hmm. um, and like playing, experimenting with music. I think one of the biggest joys I get out of doing this is playing to a crowd that doesn't listen to this music. And I think a lot of upcoming artists are really trying to get in front of people who already like dubstep or already like, you know, a certain genre. But I get, I get a huge kick out of playing like, you know, like maybe a frat party or mm-hmm. like, or like a wedding or like just random gigs or I'll, I'll, I'll set up outside of a mall and just like blast music and, and try to like, that's just be amazing. Like pe- people's like, or, or this whole summer I played at the park in Austin. No at, way. Uh, yeah. Dope. It's like, it's like a giant park um, where they throw ACL at and um, just like renegade, like me and my homies set up speakers and played music to like, the sun went down and it was always a vibe and that's where I would mostly play house and I had to like download and learn a lot of house and figure out like oh what's gonna work at the park and then all of a sudden I ended up with this playlist of just like heaters Heaters. that that would go off at the park but they're not they're not dubstep they're not like festival bangers they're just like just great tunes to hear at the park and and it was it was the excitement of playing to a new crowd and like not not just like the same scene that really got me excited. Like I could invite my friends that don't normally listen to EDM. I'm like, Hey, just come to the park. I'm going to be DJing. And they're like, okay, cool. And then, you know, I'm, they're experiencing like this type of dance music for the first time. I'm experiencing like playing out in a park for the first time and, and just enjoying the vibes. Like it's, it, my goal is like, yeah, like I said before, is to convince people who haven't listened to this music to like it. Yeah. And I get a huge kick out of it. And I don't, th- I don't think enough people are really, approaching it from that angle they're, people they're all, are not at all whatsoever yeah and i think that's how you build the scene that's how mm-hmm. you get more people at festivals that's how you get more people at shows is is converting those people who don't normally listen to it into liking it and at the same time it's like a it's like a two for one i 
I, I get them into EDM and also I'm the first one to get them into EDM and they really appreciate that. And they, they thank me. They're like, Oh, I've, I never really started listening to this until I heard you play it out or like figure out a way to, you know, make me like it. They don't say that, but you know, that's what I ended end up doing. It's like, I figure out a way to, to get them to enjoy this type of music that I love and that this whole scene loves. And I'm like, yeah, there's a whole scene for it. Come, come check it out on uh, Fridays where I play. And that's <laughs> how they become a raver. Long yeah. story short, end of yeah. story. But it's, <laughs> it's, but it's also a lot of things like, there's a kind of like an analogy for that. There's a lot of things that I tell to my students when, you know, they're like, hey, like, I just get burnt out. Like, I get burnt out doing the same thing. I get burnt out, you know, trying to learn how to sound design and trying to learn how to do this and working on edits. But it's like you going to the park and going out of your comfort zone and doing something completely new. That's still you building on yourself and building your skill set. So, you know, it's like when I tell my students and they say, you know, I just can't produce right now. I just, I'm not in the mindset for it. I'm like, okay, cool. That's fucking awesome. Don't force yourself to do anything because you're just wasting time. Instead of that, go find some awesome new tunes. Post on Twitter. Say, I want to hear IDs. Fucking listen to other people's music. Make some dope edits. Like, go in play a house music set because it's all building on your experience within this genre, you know, yeah, within or within this industry, I guess, per se. Yeah. And obviously you're, you've, you've done that during quarantine, you know, you've reached out and, and tried different areas to really like grow your brand. Yeah. And that's, that's what it is. You gotta, you gotta go out there and kind of, like I said, create your own reality, create your own vision and experiment and, yeah, you have to fail a few times, but it's uh Oh yeah. But it's like without the 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 multitude of failures, like something will eventually stick. Whether it's the podcast, whether it's throwing events, whether it's, you know, a bang an EP, if you just keep pushing at it and trying new things and like I have like I don't know if you have anything equivalent to this, but you know, I've got like a fucking notebook again. I'm a girl, but like I like write everything down and shit, but I like write stupid ideas for merchandise, stupid ideas for songs. But out of all of those ideas, you may have like five or six where you're like, damn, that actually would go the fuck off. Like that would do really well. And that's what it starts with. Like you can't be someone, whether you're up and coming or established and just think, yeah, the first thing I'm going to do is going to be the most successful thing I ever do. And it's going to make me a superstar. It doesn't work like that, you know? Yeah. And yeah, you obviously have the a great background on figuring that out um yeah exactly yeah. uh wait can i can i ask you some more questions oh my god yeah i know the last question yes that's like 40 minutes ago go for it yeah it's it's all good i don't know yeah, uh, good we're just we're just vibing jamming um yes no i love it i was gonna ask uh if you could give advice to uh younger women in the scene uh what would you tell them and Ooh. what what also a second part of that is uh what advice should they ignore Oh, okay. All right. So, so I think being a woman in this industry gives you a large window of opportunity that should be approached with, um, that should be, uh, approached with a well thought out plan. And, and I think the biggest thing that we have now that we didn't necessarily have four years ago when I started doing this is a larger group of females in which we act as a community 
and mm-hmm. we kind of have that, you know, we have a great discord. We have the girl gang stuff. Shout out Jeannie. Like there's other women that are not just the top women. Because when I started, I was like, okay, like I know maybe one girl in New York and one girl in LA, but then I know Allison Wonderland Rez and like yeah. Nora and Pure. And that was it. And we based the way that we approached our industry blindly. And for that, I think a lot of us went through things that we didn't necessarily have to go through, but also, you know, was part of our journey and how we approach things now. Um, first off, I think that there are enough wonderful women who are incredibly talented girls who are making music. Do not think that like, you know, it's, uh, there, this has been on Twitter all over, obviously, since the same, my name shit happened. Like, I'm not afraid to talk about it. I think awesome things come from collaboration. I wish our industry was more open to fasted collaborations. Cause I think that's how you make hits. I think if you look at any Grammy nominated, like Grammy nominated winning album, you have multiple co-writers and multiple producers X, Y, and Z. However, I get that our industry is a little bit different, but I, I think you need to put the time in to make your own music if you do want to be a producer. Like I, I, that's just my opinion because that's the approach that I did take. And I think as a woman now, if you're thinking about getting into the scene or newly into the scene, it's a lot different than it was a few years ago where you yeah, were a dime a dozen is. That's, woman. That's, that's why I'm asking because it's, it's changed a lot. It's changed. There's a it's huge changed. girl gang movement. Yeah. And it's yeah. amazing. And it's amazing. And it's like what I love is when I found this, I used to get so frustrated because I would see these other women and I was like, I know they're not making their own music. Like, why is this happening? Like, I don't understand. And then, you know, I sought out girl gang and I sought out all of these other girls and I was like, okay, like these, all these girls make their own music. Like, this is dope. Like, this is like the future of women. And, and I think that these women bring awesome things to the table that hopefully will get recognized. And again, like I really do, I get it at the end of the day. I'm not someone who's going to sit here and say, oh, like, fuck you guys for not having women. Fuck you guys for not having X, Y, and Z. I'm not going to be like a feminist in that aspect. But I also do think that there are a lot of women who are holding their own, who do deserve the chance to be brought on tour, put on a lineup, X, Y, and Z. And we do need whether that's women on the other side of the industry acting as talent buyers, acting as artist managers, agents, like bringing them in. Or, you know, I look now and while I've had terrible, you know, um, just situations with, with males in the past, I also know a male for every male who's treated me like shit. I know a male who's fighting for women to be in the industry. So there are both sides of it. Um, and, and I think as a woman, you right off the bat don't feel like you belong. You you know, it, it's just how it is. You're working yeah. in a male dominated industry. Yeah, if you go yeah, in, you know, if you go <laughs> to an engineer who's working in a biochemical lab, she'll say the same thing. She'll say, I'm working in a male dominated industry. It definitely happens in different fields. However, you know, again, four years ago, me would have a lot different answer now. So it does have to do with time and the work you put in. It, it's, it's hard because you sometimes feel like, okay, well, I'm a woman and I'm getting these opportunities that maybe I don't deserve yet because I'm a woman. And then you have these individuals who, whether they give it to you because of your looks, whether they give it to you because they think you'll 
owe them a favor down the road. You have to think of your actions and be, I guess, sound with them. And don't let other people think that you owe them things or or push you around. Yeah, and that's kind of that's what I said earlier about the expectations. The expectations of like you walking up and expecting something from someone is yes. And I've seen it on both sides. I've seen a guy give an opportunity to a girl um, for down the line them thinking, oh, okay, like you know, we're on a fucking podcast, whatever. You need to sleep with me now. You need to do this now. And then I've also seen girls walk in and say, oh, well, I'm a fucking hot ass girl. So you'll be booking me. No, like both sides don't work. You, you know, at the end, and I think at the end of the day, how you gain respect as a woman is if you don't think of yourself per se as a woman, I'm someone who like, yeah, I think that if you want to embrace your sexuality and fucking go for it, claps off to you, empower, like, go for it. Like, you want to fucking get up there and be naked, like, do it. That's just not the approach I take, but I don't have anything against women who take that approach yeah. because at the end of the day, like, sex does sell. Like, there is an opportunistic point of being a woman in this industry where if you do hold yourself to a certain appearance, like, yeah. No, same, you're with, gonna, same with guys. You same know, with guys too. It's, a, it's the same <laughs> with guys. Absolutely. I mean you know, I, I take, I take the big room DJs as a great kind of example. You look at the Hardwells, you look at the Tiestos, those are all nice guys to look at, you know? And, and it's just, I don't know. I feel like I'm rambling on, but I'm so torn when it comes to this because I'm just someone who I've seen all of these different girls take these different approaches. Mm -hmm. And I'm an individual where it's like, yeah, I, fucking go to the gym like I'm happy with how I look I'm not scared to be like hey like I feel confident four years ago I hated it I feel you know I didn't feel comfortable in my own body x y and z but I also when I'm in the studio and I'm working and I'm with a bunch of guys or whatever like I'm not a girl like I think okay like you need to be better than all these guys for them to take you seriously yeah I love that you know I, I think to bring it bring it back around to how you're saying like one of the points that you made that I think also applies to both sides of the genders is is having that like that uh that community where you can like talk about these things and like really yeah. break it down and then grow from it and I think that's what that's something that I learned during quarantine was I had like my two best friends with me during this whole thing and we talk like like 2 hours a day every day that's to great. like to both of them and having them on my side um like like help me break through so many like barriers in my own head. And I'm sure mm-hmm. that's what the, the girl gang and the girl community does for each other. Yes. And that's what you should, I think it, it w- would you say like, that's one of the important things that you would give advice to uh, another younger female producer is like, find that, find your like friends and in find your support group. Cause it's still, yeah. it's still small enough where like the majority of producers I know are a part of this group. And I'm so glad that it's growing. It's, I'm so glad that I can count on more than two hands the amount of girls that I'm seeing on lineups and the amount of girls that I'm seeing on shows. But, you know, there is that disconnect and there is that, I think, hindrance and, and jealousy from a certain standpoint from these girls who are working extremely hard at what they're doing and they're perfecting their craft and they're putting their head down and they're working. And then you have that inner battle of like, hey, am I supposed to be like showing skin? Am I supposed to be doing this? Am I supposed to be doing that? You know, should I be paying more attention to the press photos I'm taking? And these are all these discussions that I see in our group every day. And it's that inner battle of 
I think the first thing that it happens with is the recognition from the back end of the industry saying, okay, I'm going to close my eyes. And if you're good, you're good. And, but I get that that's not how the industry works. You know what I'm saying? Like you are selling a package, you are selling a brand, but that's how I wish it worked. I wished, I wish, you know, people were booked for, you know, the parts of the pie, because unfortunately in the industry that we're in now, music isn't the only thing that's going to get you booked. You have to have the branding. You have to have the social media presence. You have to have that left wing thing. That's you're a writer for a blog. You started girl gang. You have a podcast, you have a radio show. All of those things matter. Um, but I do think it comes with the back end of like, Hey, we're not just going to book this girl cause she's on this agency and X, Y, and Z. Like, we're going to close our eyes and we're going to listen to this music and we're going to look at the presentation and maybe even look at their ticket sales, other places and book them off of that, not just off of how they look, but it's like contradicting because that's not how our industry works. So those are like the battle in my mind that I have. It sounds like you, you've broken it down, you know, with in in a matter of time and over and over again. Yeah. It it feels, it feels like you've, you've, you've broken that barrier though, or it sounds like you've, yeah, figured it out because you're explaining it to me like what what you would think but you're at the same time I don't think you're giving yourself enough credit for how much work you've put in and like what got See, but you that's the point. imposter syndrome that's the like hey you still haven't worked hard enough you still have so much further to go and you know I talk to my mom and like my boyfriend all the time and stuff and I'm sure you can resonate with it at this standpoint where I have to enjoy the things that I've accomplished but it's also that work ethic and drive that I see in a lot of successful artists that they consistently have until they reach this point, but then they think they can go so much further than the point they've always wanted to reach. And like, that's what's going to keep me going forward. But before we like continue on, there's so much comparison because there are still very few girls compared to guys in this industry per se, where I think at the end of the day, you just have to come to terms with yourself and oh look at you here my little akira she's like a little wolf she's just like hi hello i'm here um i know pay attention to me please mom um at the end of the day like you just have to worry about yourself and i think that was something that i was unable to do until quarantine where like don't worry about why the fuck this girl was put on this tour, why this girl had this happen to her. Oh, you know, she's ghost produced for, I don't understand why people like her. Like just throw that all out the window and pay attention to what you're doing because then you're not going to waste the time you were thinking about those other girls. And you're going to be focusing that energy into what you love to do. And before you know, you know it, you're going to be where you want to be at. Yeah, and exactly. I think that's my, that's my hit at home point because there's multiple different phases throughout the last four years where I've gone through. And so much of it has been jealousy and resentment and why, why not me? And when I was able to move past that and say, okay, like, why you like, what, what are you going to do to bring this to the table? And what are you going to do that you love more than anything where it's not going to matter who pays attention to you or who books you because you're going to show people via the internet, via your shows, what you're all about and you're building bricks of stone. And I think that's the way to do it because you're never going to go backwards if you can just focus on yourself moving forwards. Yeah. It sounds like you built the foundation for, yeah. 
like you you took a step back you figured out like oh none of that matters it matters mm-hmm. like this is what i can control yes. this is what i can do and then you know you just start working your ass off for it and that's really the key to yeah. it is is taking a step back and not worrying about what other people are doing and whether and you're a girl or a guy yeah it doesn't matter it's it's the work ethic and and the like drive that's what everybody in this industry has is that we're all super driven and we all don't want to work a nine to five we we'll, we'll work our ass off more than most people to be here because it's it's worth it for us and yeah it sounds like you figured that part out and and you're just you're just you're you're at this point now where you just you keep you keep doing that you keep hitting it and there's no way you can't be successful i mean you're already successful but there's no way this isn't your career like yeah career now you're doing it like and and i never would have i think the the reason why i go through that whole entire kind of elaboration on being a woman is because every single girl who i've talked to for the most part has gone through the same exact thoughts but that last kind of chapter where you finally realize that even though when you get tagged, you're tagged amongst all these other women and all the women blend together and you're put in this one like cesspool of girls, like Mm -hmm. it doesn't matter. You just have to keep doing what you're doing and pushing forward. And as long as you're putting the work in and you have the right intentions, like that shit will happen. And like, yeah, you know, your, your intentions with the podcast alone are not to like, you know, really do anything besides like grow the scene or grow the yeah. And, and I like having the unfiltered conversations, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. So there's a greater, there's a greater uh, existence to what you're doing already. And it didn't come from a spot of like jealousy or thinking about what other people are doing. You're like, what mm-hmm. can I do to give? And that's what I was talking about earlier is you walk into these rooms and a lot of, a lot of people, younger, younger kids or just people who don't get it are walking in these rooms, expecting things to be handed, not handed to them, but like, you know, like, just because you're in the same room as someone who's um, doing something awesome, like you, I mean, what, what, do you, what can you give to them? You know, like what, what can you do to help them out and 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 not get anything back in return? Because that's not the point. It's not about like get, getting something back in return. It's about what can you give, and and like you don't care about getting anything back, essentially. Well, that's that's the furthest. That is what's gonna push you the furthest, especially as an up and comer. Is like. Be thankful for anything that happens to you and don't expect anything. Like, like that's where the biggest letdowns are, I think. Where I see amongst my colleagues is when you are expecting something and you're told this and you're told that. But, like, in this industry, like, words don't mean a lot when it comes out of somebody who's had a few drinks in a green room. It just doesn't. And yeah. and And the more that you can kind of just – offer what you can and and be as real uh with yourself as you possibly can i think i think the better it's gonna be for you and your project you know down the road Um, yeah yeah yeah. it sounds like you figured that out i was i was gonna ask another question yes i love this he's chrisley is officially turning the podcast around chrisley is the host no I'm, i'm sure i mean you have a lot of of things to offer for the, like I said, the girl community. I guess well, I, I guess I'm keeping that. I'm keeping it on girl, but like you said, it really doesn't matter either way. This can, this can apply to guys too. <laughs> yeah, no, no, oh, it definitely can apply to guys. But no, I I appreciate the focus on the female because it is something that needs to be talked about. And again, it's like on Twitter and on Facebook and on Instagram and Discord and whatever the hell you want to you know preach on. 
it's we're in this time that it's it's hard to elaborate subtext via a text-based platform so hearing us talk yeah, unfiltered without some idiot coming in to say their <laughs> two cents is great because now people can just take it for what it is and we're entitled to our own opinions just like every other fucking person on the planet and and you know it's okay if people don't agree with you like that's what fucks me up now is like you have to fit in this bubble of thought and you're not yeah. allowed to have these other thoughts or we're going to come for your throat. And that's why like, no, I'm not outlandish. No, I'm not like, no, I don't fucking like Trump. I'm glad he's out of office. But at the same time, like I don't like talking about my opinions on Twitter because yeah, I gave up, I gave up using Twitter for that. Yeah, I don't want to deal with it. It's not worth my time or my energy to go back and forth with someone who I've never met in person. Yeah. Plus you've figured it out. You're doing, you're literally crushing it. And what does anybody on the internet have to really, you know, it doesn't matter what they say. It doesn't yeah. matter. I always think about Joe Rogan and Joe, who's in Texas now. Everyone's oh, yeah. in fucking Texas. Um, That's my he's guy. All, yes, yes. <laughs> I, he's always like, you know, I, I don't do social media. Like, I don't read the comments. And while I think there's something that is to offer in comments, especially as an artist, you know, he's not <laughs> he's not per se an artist, like where we read yeah. how people are receiving our art. I think that's important to take into perspective. But I really like the the aspect that he has where it's like, what are these people bringing to the table to your life? How are these people affecting your, your personal life? Are you going to dinner with them? Are you going to the beach with them? No, they just they're entitled to their own opinion like I am mine. So let me say what I want to say and you guys can offer your two cents, but don't think that's going to change me and change my trajectory point. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's one reason why I stopped really getting on Twitter as much because um, I just didn't want to get in those arguments because I know what I need to be doing. I know mm -hmm. what hard work looks like. I know what um, I want to do and what I love to do. Um, but at the same time, you know, as an artist, you have to use socials as a way to, you know, get yourself out there. Yeah. So it's, 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 uh, it's, it's, um, I guess profitable to be, you know, uh, uh, outlandish, like you're saying, you know, so sometimes that works for some people, but I don't, I don't think it's healthy. <laughs> yeah. I don't think it's, I don't think it's healthy. I think it's, it's, you know, it's, it's cool to have the hot takes and it is part of people's brands sometimes, but yeah, it's yeah. just hard to read. It's hard to read on anything if it's, like, really somebody's personal opinion. And, again, that's why, like, I love having conversations. And that started in the green room at Ritz when I would meet people like yourself. I would meet yeah. other artists. And I finally felt not uncomfortable to speak with them and have a, you know, transparent conversation because you're just a human like me. And then when we went into quarantine – I was like, I'm fucking going crazy over here not talking to people because I don't really have that many, like, I have friends and, like, acquaintances, but I just kind of keep to myself for the most part. I have, like... Oh, me too. I always keep know? to myself. So I have close friends out of music that I think are great because it grounds me because you can get lost in this industry. Like, yeah. you can get fucking just boosted into another dimension. So, like, those are the people who I kind of hang out with out of music. But I wanted to talk about music and I didn't feel like... Like, I love Mr. Bill's podcast. Like, Cymatics had a podcast they were doing for a while, but it was in person, and then they stopped when COVID started. Like, I love Willie Joy. I love In the Daw. But I didn't really hear um, anyone doing very transparent conversations with other artists just to, like, shoot the shit. And, like, Taboo does them, too. And, like, he's he's probably most comparable, but 
there can always be more. There's so many fucking artists out there. Like, get as many people on as you can because everyone brings a unique take to the story. And I think artists right now just want a platform where they can talk and not be canceled for it. Yeah, and you're you're doing a great job by bringing that platform, obviously. <laughs> and I, 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 it's something I wish I could do. Um, but it's just something I haven't put the time into. I put a lot of time into streaming during quarantine. Did um, you like that? Like, did you find kind of a cool sense of connection? The the people who I've talked to on oh, the yeah. podcast, streaming wise, they said that was their like show. You know, when they could connect with other people yeah. via the internet and DJ sets. Well, that's what it's about. Like I said, community. Like mm-hmm. the Discord community is so fucking sick with Discord like is sick yeah it's it's such a cool community the twitch community in general is like it's it's a place where i like felt at home i felt like i was like actually connecting with people and that's when i that's when social media really is at its best is when it connects people that are like-minded and like really just want to like express their their love for like certain certain things whether it's music or any other type of hobbies but um and this, i think this, yeah. discord and twitch are the best for that because it's really good yeah you know, yeah yeah it's and and like yeah i I think it it made me realize too i think while i was doing that i was like oh this is about community and that's why i was like i need to start doing my weeklies again as soon as i can because like what what i did on the twitch stream was build a community and like build a bunch of friends and like close connections and like brought people together that didn't know each other and that's exactly what we do every time we throw a show every time we play a festival that's what festivals are they're giant like they're giant community building experiments where, you know, you're at home all week, you're working your nine to five and you just want to connect with another human being. And like a festival is like one of the greatest experiences on this planet to really like connect with other humans. And, and that's when I was like, Oh shit, that's why I'm doing this. I'm not doing this to like get famous or like other reasons. It's like, I was an only child growing up and like I was a loner and festivals were like my first time to really like go out and socialize and like yep. just like be myself and and be the weirdo that I am. That's <laughs> but, what made me fall yeah. in love with EDM was festivals because yeah. I I went to like I think I went to like two raves like two club shows before my first festival which was Sunset Music Festival here in Tampa the year I graduated high school and I was like and eh, like this is fine like I was a fucking metalhead so I was like this is kind of weird I was like this is like eh. and and then I went to a festival and I was like okay I get it now yeah, like I, people, I get that's it that's usually now. where people click they yes. the, they go to a festival and they're like oh I see but but then we go back to these shows and everybody's still playing festival music and it doesn't really like hit the same way they're they're not interpreting it the same way that, that's why I make a difference in my crates now like there's like festival bangers and there's like music that works good at a club or like the Ritz and then Mm -hmm. there's music that works at the park yeah yeah (laughs) there's different times and places for each thing and and that's how you get people to like really comprehend what is the the music they're hearing and yeah the the festival music is obviously the best experience um, yes to to experience festival music obviously absolutely yeah yeah yeah, for sure yeah yeah, you yeah you you experienced uh sunset yeah, Sunset was, was the first one, and then everybody always said I ruined it for myself because shortly after Sunset, I went alone to Electric Forest. So Electric Ooh. Forest was my first festival-like experience. And, That's the best one, too. And it was, it was amazing because they have, like, bands and stuff, too, you know? So it's kind of – I've never gone to Bonnaroo, which is really where I would like to go next. I love the multi-genre festivals. Right. Yeah, because so, you get to learn new things yes. and experience, ex- like experience new music, and that's yeah, yeah 
That's the whole like, point. I love the jam bands, and then I love the forest sets where you got, like, the Charles I and the Mr. Carmax. And then you have, like, you know, your traditional bangers, like Skrillex yeah. and Odessa and, like, all of those people where it was a very – then, then I was like, all right, this, this is like, this is fucking sick. And I was in college at the time, or I was about to go to college and I went to college and I was like, I had played in a band for so long and I had done all like other audio engineering shit, like through high school. And I was like, no, like this just isn't for me. Like, how can I do this? And then, you know, I removed myself from that situation and said, all right, like you need to, you know, plan the steps to get where you want to go. And I had never intended on being like a, a DJ or like a producer. I wanted to like I went to school for Foley Sound and then audio engineering, oh, nice. like awesome. mix, yeah, which is like mixing oh, and mastering. And then my friend one day was like, "Yo, like, do you want to come and DJ?" And I was like, uh, "I don't really, I don't really know how to <laughs> DJ." And then I DJed like one or two events, and then the people at the Ritz were like, "Yo, we saw you were in Orlando. Do you want to come in and like try out DJing here?" And I was like, "All right, this is lit," because that's the club I went to. You know, when I was in high school like yeah. so you know and i was 18 so i was like this is cool this is cool and then you know we're here did you ever go to warp tour mm, yeah so uh 13 years old mother in the back bring <laughs> me the horizon wall of death raining yes. I, I don't know if you've ever been have you ever been to saint pete yeah i did okay. Warp tour 2013 2014 Oh my God. Okay. All right. So then I was there. I'm yeah. sure I remember. Okay. So I remember when Warp Tour started bringing in electronic acts. You guys were on that like small stage yep. facing the water and it was like the journey stage or it was like something like that. I'm not sure. I specifically remember playing Versace by Drake and Migos. Yes. Yes. <laughs> and I remember like walking huge. by and I was like, wow, there's like EDM here. And I remember someone <laughs> behind me saying, EDM is the next wave. And I'm like, fuck no, it isn't. What are you talking about? And then look now, Warp Tour is gone. Raves are like rip. insane. Uh, rip. And and that location on Vinoy Park on the water was yeah. one of the like just amazing. Like, Honestly, yeah. Now that I think about it, that's probably my favorite uh, Warp Tour spot. Because they're usually in parking lots, you know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. And it was right next to the beach, the beachfront. So it was. Very cool. Yeah, no, that was like 13 to, to 17, 18 every year, Warp Tour, because that was, you know, my favorite bands. You know, you got to see everybody at one stop. And Bring Me the Horizon crushed it. It was such a good set. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, my gosh. And, and, you know, I love them now. And it's like you take them. I look at all these other genres, and I'm like, look at how all of these artists evolve and mature in their sound. Because now you look at Bring Me the Horizon, and they're like, you know, they're like alternative music. They're radio play music. I think of them as K-pop now. Yeah, they're literally, they literally have like K-pop influences, like alt-rock. But back then it was like, diamonds aren't forever, die Mm. in a ditch, like fucking kill each other, go. And and like circle pits and mosh pits and wall of death. I just remember I had like a cutoff t-shirt. My mom was texting me. I was on a date with like, I was on my first date ever with this boy at War Tour. And he was like, we're going to do the wall of death. And I was like, what? And he's like, he's like, put your phone in my bag. I'm like, okay. And he's like, put your hair up. I'm like, all right. He's like, ready, let's go. And it started pouring and it was like a wall of death and it was great. And then I was like, yeah, like I want to do music forever. Like this is lit. Yeah, exactly. And you know, it's, it's those experiences that really like throw you headfirst into realizing that this is what you want to do. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's why I'm so excited. Festivals are coming back. Oh, 
it's it's, it's a community a, and it's it's exciting experience yes. experience experience with others and it's just gonna be so awesome when they're finally back because it's what we it's what we're missing it's it's why the scene the scene is like you know stagnant, so toxic right? it's why it's so toxic it's because like yeah. we don't understand even as artists too like my boyfriend like midsummer last year was like yo what is going on? You're like cranky as fuck. Like you're not being like great. Like, and it was, and it was true, but he was just elaborating on the fact that he said, you know, you have a residency and every day that you weren't on your residency, you were traveling somewhere else to play. He said, you're not doing that now. That's like your drug. He's like, that's your addiction. And when you take that away and then you like, look at all of these music lovers who they travel to like 10, 20 festivals. What happens when they don't have that? What happens when they don't have their friends and that human interaction where their phone goes dead for five days and they're at the (laughs) campsite with their homies? Like, you get people implode. And that's what we saw happen, you know? I don't know. I think so. I know. Yeah, 100%. We're missing missing that connection to humans even too. That's, that's, I mean, it's something that I figured out with VR um, during quarantine. I, I felt like I was one of the first people to experience like getting- How is that? I have not done that. Oh, it's amazing. The communities that are in there are exactly like the rave communities. They basically built raves in VR and I got to join a bunch of communities and really like connect with people. And I felt like, I honestly felt like I was one of the first people to get that feeling back. Cause you're right. Like That's I was cranky. Sick. I was like getting upset with everything. And then as soon as I put on the headset and like went into my first VR rave, I was like, whoa. I, I just realized what I was missing. I was like, oh shit, I'm missing I'm missing my addiction, like you were saying. It's like mm-hmm. this is what I what I've been I needed to to feel connected to other humans. And it yeah, it just it made it made it like a, a switch flip in my head that's like, oh, we're doing this for communities. Like we're doing this to connect to other humans. And when we don't have that, it's not good. It's yeah. really bad for your Absolutely. Mind. And it's just like especially like I get it like I am a homebody like I am an introvert but I enjoy being around music I enjoy being around live music like you can catch me at the back of any festival crowd like chilling watching everything like I love people watching and it's just our breed of people whether you're on the back end of the industry or you're you know you are just a music lover we're not designed to be isolated like this the human species just in general isn't designed to have no social interaction it's just not and and you know i feel like we sometimes get lost on the back end of the industry with all of the people and the networking and this and that but we don't realize that if our community is not there and built these festivals don't happen and they don't continue you know so it's like it's so important that we continue to focus on bringing new people into this genre and and throwing successfully like safe curated events to move mm-hmm. forward that, that's what i also got excited about in vr chat is because a lot of those people hadn't experienced festivals ever and i'm like oh shit oh my like, god y'all, like i need to show y'all this like and like like yeah because and, and like hopefully i get to meet a lot of these people that i've met online and you know they get to experience their first festival but at the time during quarantine it was such a fulfilling ex- experience and i felt yeah. like it got me ahead in in where my mindset was as far as like like just getting depressed and getting down it just made me realize like oh as soon as this shit opens up i know what i need to be doing i know like i have these goals now and i know what's important to me and what actually matters and yeah vr chat just like blew my mind it's like 
yeah, it's, it's like going to a whole other dimension. But <laughs> I know Secret Sky was in like they had like a VR aspect to it, which mm. was like really, really dope. I obviously like did not partake in that that aspect, but I definitely feel like I, I feel like when we return to normal, people will still Twitch stream and people will still do events in VR. I feel like this oh, yeah. whole other aspect to our industry has now been opened up because I don't know about you, but like I had never downloaded OBS. I had no idea what the fuck any of this shit was <laughs> before quarantine. I kind of knew what it was, but um, I wasn't yeah, hands on with it or didn't. And I, I barely used my VR headset. It was just sitting next to my desk, like kind of mm-hmm. just like collecting dust. I would use it every once in a while, but um, once quarantine happened, I was on it like, like at least like a couple times a week going to shows or like literally That's like crazy. rave raves in VR. Yeah. And actually, yeah, it's a, to bring it on a point back to like kind of girls in the industry, one of the biggest uh, impacts that, that uh, happened to me or like things that happened to me during quarantine was like meeting this girl rave promoter in VR chat. And she was, she was from Portland, okay, but she started throwing her own parties in VR and was like building this community like she has her own discord it's like run way better than any other discord that i've ever seen and like the way that Damn, it's that's like, lit she i mean because they're all computer nerds they've been on vr chat even before quarantine mm-hmm. so i was just kind of just like she just kind of like found me on twitch and was like hey we need djs kind of like the ritz approach to you it was just yeah, like yeah like i was just on twitch streaming and she's like oh you're a dj like you want to come play and then and then she realized, like, oh, wait, I have your music. And, like, oh, wait, like. She's like, oh, shit. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, yeah. It's, and then I was like, yeah, well, I'm down. I have a headset. And so we just, like, we had, like, almost like a conversation like this, but in VR. And, and I was having conversation. I was having conversation with her, but, like, she's standing there. And we're, like, doing this to each other. And, like, and, like just, like, pointing at each other. It felt just, like, the connection was even closer. Like, like, we're literally talking to each other right there. Like, if you turn your head, you only hear it on this side you know, you can walk around them and like, it's like you're there with them. So I had this like really solid connection with this girl Rafe promoter in Portland who's throwing her own shows. Her name's Flying Claws, by the way. I'm sure. Okay, sick. Um, but she really helped me like realize like what is important for throwing shows even more so than I already knew before. Like she, she has like such a huge focus on the lighting and like the, the um environment that it's in like one of her biggest things was like all these vr clubs in vr chat are basically replicating like like the ritz like a club like yeah everybody's building clubs when you could build whatever you want so she's like why are we doing that let's build like like look at the the tapestry behind me like her yeah literally look like that like they didn't look like i want to be raving on a fucking mountain in an igloo yeah, That's what exactly. like, I want to be doing. <laughs> yeah, she she built like a, a Christmas igloo like play place. It's like outdoors. That is so dope. And it's like the sky's all rainbows. It's crazy looking. And then the other one of my favorite ones was she redid um, Stonehenge and just had like couches around and like oh my God. a pool and like the DJ like, played dude, like in Stone, Stonehenge. That's like the future. Isn't that wild though? Yeah. Like eventually virtual reality will be so close to our reality that yeah. people will make a choice whether they want to live in VR or they want to live here. And I yeah. really do think that will happen before we pass, like fully. Yeah, definitely. It's, I think it's uh, people already made that decision oh right now. Oh, my God. Like they, they are on VR chat every day, and that's what they do. And they have girlfriends in VR. <laughs> and oh yeah, they, they, they chill. They, like, build their own, like, mansions and they just watch movies and just <laughs> hang out with people. And, like, it's like they're living it's like, their best fuck life. life. Yeah. yeah, they're living their dream life. They're like, okay, I've experienced life. 
I don't really fuck with it. I'm gonna go here and and yeah. just go from there. <laughs> it's inevitable. But yeah, she she taught me a bunch of stuff about like how to throw a party the right way. And I think it's 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 on the same tip that Pasquale and and Donnie are on. Like they 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 don't just focus on like who has the sickest drops. They're like yeah. focusing on so much more. There's so, so much more. There's other things that go into it. And she really taught me like like make like a lot of the the lighting and the and the artistic you know part of building the world is to cater to girls since she's a girl and she she really tries to make it feel like warm and welcoming whereas like a guy who builds a world like usually ends up making like i said like a club or like something that's indoors and when you're in vr you have a you have the chance to just be outdoors and it feels way better than just like being stuck inside again with the Mm -hmm. headset on but she she like really brought that around to me like like you know make this make this a safe place for girls because eventually all the guys will take over and like like kick them out it'll be male dominated so she has to put in the effort to, yeah. to like make sure that doesn't but that's happen so like true in regards to real life and i feel yeah, like that's why it it's so important that like a lot of you know females who love i know so many females who love this industry and like they do work for festivals or they do you know AR work like artist relations work and hospitality but they want to be something more than that and that's why it's so important that they don't stop and they keep going because it's really up to them in the future to be in that ear of Disco Donnie or be in that you know be that that representative on the Insomniacs team that you know kind of represents I'm the you know regular woman consumer like fuck like focusing on like the women artists like focus on just like the women in general who attend the events and yeah. it's you know being a girl is just so different than being a guy and that's why it's beautiful but that's why it's very hard for you know an up-and-coming artist being a girl just going to guys and asking for advice because it's so different because our perspectives are so different yeah. you know I'm sure you're gonna make that's why that's why I, I get excited about you sharing your insight on everything because it's gonna it's just gonna make it's gonna enable other girls to like feel confident in approaching these situations and figuring it out on their own because they're gonna be like, oh she's doing it and like you know she's giving me solid advice on on how to interpret all of this and it's just gonna yeah create a whole new wave that's about to come but absolutely yeah. and it's like half my students are girls too which is like fucking yes. dope you know so it's like I, I don't get me wrong I love the guys I teach but but it's really cool because we have these transparent discussions that are outside of the world of production mm-hmm. where it's like hey, I got this opportunity and now this person's making me feel this way or I don't know how to approach this situation. And if you just have someone with a little bit more experience under their belt there to resonate with you and like as another woman, like it's going to help you a lot more than if you just have a guy telling you to ignore it or do whatever because there are issues that you just do have to deal with and certain people don't get put through them. So I, I love having the kind of, control to to set a kind of wavelength for these girls to follow where hopefully I will have them avoid some of the mistakes that I made and that's the point of it all and then they turn around and they do the same thing for another girl and that's how it grows and it becomes easier for women to enter this field yeah there's no way it's not going to grow with like yeah. that mindset which is the best part about it um yes. yeah it's, I started I I just had these these crazy epiphanies after doing VR chat where it's just like oh like why why are we like like i feel like girls are being like excluded from a lot of these things like it's because i mean 
guys are just thinking about like how to impress other guys too you know they're just like yeah. let's go hard let's do yeah. this and stuff so but that's that's another reason why i got into house because i was like you know like girls can just like relax and listen to this and they don't have to like worry about like mosh pits sometimes so so it, it got me excited yeah. to play more house music so i'm like cool now more people can enjoy it you know because yes. I, I just want i just want more and more people to enjoy it and um but but yeah it's uh a lot of it comes down to like the lighting the the like a vibe of the club like making it a safe place for for girls to feel comfortable that's like a huge thing that i think we should start focusing on as an industry like what like there's a psychology behind it too you know there really is and it's like i i talk about it with artists in the in the standpoint of like there are legitimate like frequencies that make people feel comfortable and like that maybe be going a little bit too far but from like the lighting standpoint and and the way that you you have like your employees working at the club and the way that certain people handle things all formulates this experience that you're creating for you know the customer mm-hmm. yeah um, i was well, i was gonna bring up another question i was gonna yeah ask, do it and then we'll wrap it up yes uh anything guys can do for girls in the industry to help Ooh. okay um well what i love is that artists sometimes undermine their their power that they have on their platforms artists have a lot of fucking power on these platforms per se mm-hmm. to twitter especially um And what I love is that, you know, a lot of times in the past, especially before COVID, you know, people are like, oh, artists, just like keep to your fucking self. You guys know how to make art. Don't talk about other things. And I love artists, you know, if they feel it's necessary or if they feel willing to, I like them speaking out about things that they believe in. I like them talking about politics. I like them inviting us kind of into their personal life because there is a person, you know, there's Subtronics and then there's Jesse, you know, there's Crisley and then there's Chris. So it's like you do have a person behind the project. And I think there's some form of relatability that people find when artists open up on their platforms and, and speak what they're feeling from their like personal experience in their personal life. And what I love is that I, I do look at Jesse as a great example that he's given a lot of these underground producers kind of this platform to stand on with his new label as, as you know, as of a lot of other artists like Ula Siles label and, and stuff like that, where, you know, it gets these new artists in the faces of the larger labels mm-hmm. is that I just wish again, don't fucking go support a girl because she's a girl. Support a girl because you like her music, because she makes good music, because she has, you know, a good message, because she has some other cool dope thing she's pushing, whether it's a clothing line or a radio show. And, you know, just make a cognizant effort if you fuck with their stuff, whether they're a girl or a guy. Like, don't think you're above shouting them out. Don't yeah. think you're above supporting them. And I think that's the most that can be done from an artist standpoint of guys. And I think the big players such as like Disco Donnie and Pasquale and like, I know they root for women. I just think the more people that are potentially women on their team that have that as their priority and not just like a, Hey, it's kind of like a check mark in a box that we have to check off when we make a lineup. If it's more of like a focal point of like, Hey, how can we, kind of bring this to fruition where we've got either, you know, just a good distribution of them on a lineup or, Hey, let's do a live stream. Hey, let's do this. Hey, let's do that. Let's do a spotlight. There's so many ways with social media nowadays that you can be highlighting, um, you know, 
the right person. But the, but the other end of that is the thing that I don't agree with is like, fuck you guys. You're not supporting women. Da, 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 da. Like, no, like you should support someone who you like their stuff just as you would with a guy, you know, I, I but I think that there are a lot of women who are bringing great stuff to the table and it's hard because of what I said earlier, where we are still in that one kind of bowl where all the women get put in. And mm -hmm. if one woman does something that, you know, maybe isn't the most respectable or maybe it doesn't uh, portray the best image, it's hard because I see it fall back on all of the other women in that right. bowl. And, yeah. you know, it's like, oh, she's ghost produced for, so they're all fucking ghost produced for. Oh, she played a pre-recorded set or she did this, so she doesn't care about her image. She doesn't care about her body, like X, Y, and Z. And just like if you did some outlandish shit, I wouldn't go and look at fucking mode step and say, oh, fuck them. Crizzly did some whack shit, so like they're yeah. whack, you know? Yeah, I was, I was thinking, I mean, yeah, maybe these like girl questions are pretty basic, but I, I just don't have... You know, I'm not a girl, and I don't really like get to talk to many girls. No, but you asked a, you asked great questions where like I I think I'm being as transparent as I possibly could be, and like. But I, I love I love the mindset where you're coming from, where it doesn't matter, like, and that's where I think we should be too. I think yeah. deep down, that's that's what I that's what I think. Like, like it's not like I think it's kind of whack too sometimes when it's like an all girl lineup just just to do it. And it, I hate that. I hate yeah. that. And it, but it but like the thing on the back end of it is like if you're approaching it as an all girl lineup is the selling point, that's right. whack. But yeah. if you're approaching it as like, Hey, I really fuck with these people. And we've got this girl who released on confessions and this girl's on disciple and this girl's here and they're all killing it in their own region and we respect them. So we're putting them on a lineup. Like I respect that, but yeah. I think there's a right way to do it. There's sure. a right way to do it for sure. And I think the, the like long term of it is if you do it, because you respect the woman and you like her art and you like the craft that she's developing, it's going to mean a lot more than you doing something for a woman because somebody's in your ear saying, Oh my God, we don't have enough women. You know, yeah, it's a selling point. At yeah. That point. Yeah. 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 I agree. I think, I think the way you're approaching it is, is um, like, like I said before, a foundation of like you putting in the work, you understanding what you need to do. And I think honestly, what you're doing is going to help out more than like, Pasquale or Donnie putting a girl on the lineup. That, well, that I fucking hope so. <laughs> yeah, no, because that doesn't fix anything. You know, like the doesn't the, fix anything. the advice that you're giving to to young and up and coming girl producers, and like the the you you are essentially becoming like a gatekeeper, and, and now and yeah, but but you're doing everything in your power to make it right. You know, and yeah. that's it's gonna that's gonna help more than than someone just putting someone on a, a lineup. I think helping translate these like or having these like transparent conversations with other girls and like y'all figuring it out and really like. Absolutely. It's, 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 it's about a process of elimination. Like this doesn't matter. This doesn't matter. This matters. We yes. need to focus on this and not be distracted by and, what and all these other things are. I think the biggest thing too is like, I don't want women to be placeholders. And I think the only way that you get them to not be placeholders is, is by having them really be good at what they're doing. And, and that only takes like time and experience and work and, and, and paying attention to your craft. And I think that's where, a, like, I think a lot of women would 
I think some women don't agree with me. I think it's like, hey, like you need to fucking have as much women as, as guys on the lineup. And that's how it is. Well, unfortunately, if you look at the, if you like take the NBA as an example, how many people are going to NBA male games versus how many people are going to NBA women games? And then you look at the price difference on what they're paid annually. And you have to understand that's coming from attendance that's coming from viewership that's coming from all these different other aspects well i hate to break it to you there's 10 times as many guys as there are girls so there's going to be a lesser amount of girls that have you know the capabilities to kind of hang with the guys but i think the only way that we become more widely accepted and you start seeing more women is the more that you can beat into your mind as an up-and-coming female that like hey i can be good at this and i'm going to be good at this but taking shortcuts, even though they're going to be presented to me, while I can take them, don't make that become my focus of where I'm, what I'm going to use to utilize to get where I want to go. Say, okay, this was an awesome opportunity. I got booked for this Insomniacs event. Super dope. I know I wouldn't have been booked for it if I wasn't a girl, but I did. And I took advantage of it. I came and I was prepared. I met a lot of people. Now it's my time to go home, put my head down and work on as much music as I possibly can. And then follow up with these people six months down the road and say, hey, so nice to meet you. I've been taking this time to learn. I've been taking this time to work on music. Here it is. I hope you fuck with it. Done. Yeah, I now, love that. That's it. And it's, <laughs> I love, I absolutely love that because you said exactly what I would want to say, but I feel like I can't say that because yeah fucked up yeah <laughs> but then you but, can't you can't and that's why yeah. it's like i can't resonate with someone who is of a different race i can't i can tell you my perspective but i'm not that person so i don't feel like it's my place so i appreciate you like saying that too because we are in this world where if you are not that gender or you are not that race you don't necessarily have the grounds to make some make a public statement yeah, and I don't. It be taken I don't have legitimately. A, yeah, I don't have that grounds, and you do. And exactly what you said is how I feel, even in a in a guy's standpoint. That's exactly what what the mindset that all my friends have. That mm-hmm. like we talk to each other and like hype each other up. Like, no, we're doing yeah. this right. Like, and it's it's weird because you're breaking it down, and you're 100 percent correct on everything. And that's but like the exact train of thought is what I think of for guys. It's mm-hmm. it, it's it like, is. It's very know. similar. It's like. Hey, this fucking sucks because this guy bought his way onto UTA and now he's yeah. on all these festivals and he doesn't even have fucking 5,000 monthly listeners on Spotify. Connect the dots for me. I don't understand. But at the end of the day, like, you can't control that. You can only control you. And there is room for everybody. There is room for all of these girls. You're not going to lose a fucking booking because they decided to book Alice in Wonderland. Like, just keep working and they will find room for you when it's time. Yeah, damn. That's you know that drives it home. I love I know, it. It does drive it home. Thank you. This this ended up being like a double interview almost, but but I I appreciate these conversations. This is my favorite podcast in a fucking minute. So thank you. No, this um, is a conversation. That's what it is. I I need to come out to Texas. We're eventually Hell gonna yeah. fucking squad meet up, and um it'll be fun. But I greatly appreciate your time. This was a great conversation. So thank yeah, you. Yeah, you'll Chris. have to come to Texas. Yes, and, yes, yeah. yes. I will. And happen. and. You, me, Aaron, we'll all fucking get in the studio. We'll hang. We'll mix. It'll be dope. Perfect. But yeah, thank you so much, dude. I hope you have a wonderful day and uh, I will, uh, I'll talk to you soon. Yeah, I'll talk to you soon. All right, bye, man. See ya. Peace. Peace.
Thank you guys so much for tuning in to another episode of the XO Podcast. I'm so thankful for each and every one of you that are return listeners and viewers. It means the world to me. And do not forget to check out my Patreon at www.patreon.com backslash this is Lizzie Jane for a first opportunity to hear these podcasts ad-free. Give us some input who you want to see on the podcast, ask questions, one-on-one lessons, group lessons, live streams, and so much more. This is Lizzie Jane, and I'll see you next week for another episode of the EXO Podcast.